When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Kinda Anime, your home for all of the anime talk you could want here at Kinda Funny. I'm one of your hosts, Barrett Courtney, and joined with me today, as always, is the Lamillion to my Sun Eater, the master of hype, Snowbike Mike. Mike Howard. Mikey, how are you doing today? Barrett, I'm happy to be here on the orange and purple set. I'll Ooh, tell you what. It's rare, man. It's rare and it's special because we did episode one. Yeah. And then we took some time off. Yeah. And then you came to me and you're like, Mike, it's game time. Be yeah. ready. And there I was. I watched a whole bunch of anime in preparation of this. I did my homework. And then to be back on the set, though, to see all the familiar faces that we know and love, to see the purple and the orange. You know what? It feels good. I'm, it's I'm ready nice to be to back. see like Ash right here in the middle. Whoa! Oh, double smoke. Um, it's nice to see Ash catch him since the last episode of kind of anime. Correct. Ash's journey is wrapped Pokemon up. Pokemon champion now. I know. Said goodbye. Insane. Tough um, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just want to give a quick uh, thank you to everybody who showed up for the first episode of kind of anime, giving mm-hmm. all a bunch of lovely comments, people wanting the show more often, uh, and all of that stuff. It, it really touched uh, my heart in a, in a big way to, to see all the love uh, for the anime discussions that we have here. Before we get into it, I just want to uh, thank y'all for making the show possible. If you don't remember, kind of anime exists because of your support over on Patreon. We're back in October. We fundraised for the continued future of Kind of Funny, and one of the goals we hit was four episodes of this very show where we finally have a home to talk all things anime. Uh, so that means we're already halfway through Kind of Anime's run. Wild. I know. This is episode two. We only have two more episodes after this, uh, releasing every quarter to kind of like mm-hmm. build up and, uh, you know, uh, you know, have a lot of things to talk about for each episode uh so that's uh, gonna be exciting for the the last two episodes after this uh, in the second half of the year uh there's gonna be a lot of exciting things happening i know episode three i'm already kind of planning things out and it's gonna be a busy one but a fun one um but i just want to let you know as a reminder you can catch kind of anime right here on youtube.com slash kind of funny or on the Kind of Funny screencast feed on podcast services around the globe. Think of it as like a Kind of Funny screencast presents kind of anime I like that, I like that, yep. Because you know, we're still mm-hmm. talking about things that are airing on TV and things of that nature. Uh, and we want to give an even bigger thank you to our Patreon producers for the month of April who can watch the show ad-free along with anyone who supports us on patreon.com slash kind of funny or patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Uh, Tripod Plus Plus, James Hasting, Casey Andrew, Nathan Lamothe, and Al Tribesman. This episode of Kind of Anime is brought to you by Rocket Money, but we'll tell you about that later. To start things off, Mike, for episode two of Kind of Anime, it's been a couple months. We're yep. back. It's an exciting time. Yep. We wrapped up the first episode with a write-in from AJ Fraser, who gave us a little bit of homework to check out a classic for the very first time. Mike, what did you think of Fooly Cooly? What is Fooly Cooly. What is Fooly Are you Cooly? doing Fooly Cooly? <laughs> Who's Fooly Cooly? Uh, what a trip this was, Baird. Of course, shout out to AJ for the recommendation. Only six episodes. Yeah. So it was a nice breeze to turn that on and just kind of get lost in it. And my first initial thought was, oh, wow. I really like this art style. This mm. art style, when I see it, screams to me, 
old school anime, yep. right? Like I'm the anime noob here, but when I see that, I go, oh, that's got to be like OG stuff. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah. immediately that caught my eye. Then what caught my ear? Mm. A banging soundtrack. Yeah. And all of this kind of worked perfectly to the introduction of a very special someone with a guitar. And I said, Oh, Barrett and AJ told me just to watch Hi-Fi Rush, the anime. <laughs> and that's what I took it away from this is, this is Hi-Fi Rush, but anime. Or maybe what kind of inspired Hi-Fi Rush. Because yeah. we got badass soundtrack. We got an awesome art style. We got guitars. We got robots. We got banging battles. Like, it's a good time, man. Yeah, so, of course, uh, we watched the original run of Fooly Cooly because there's a, bo a bunch of, like, sequel uh, oh, wow. series. Oh, okay. Uh, all also being, like, six episodes each. Um, I think there's, like, two more series that are being, like, uh, in production right now for later this year, I believe. I know, and it's, wow. uh, it's okay. crazy that they, like, they keep coming back to the series, like, once every, like, 15 years, it seems. Uh, but well, yeah. The question marks left. She left, and it was like, mm, yeah. what happens now? So I could yeah. see you keep going. You yeah, know what I mean? Because, exactly. of course, they end, and she's like, you're just a kid. Yeah. See ya. And then yeah. just rides off. Uh, but yeah, we watched the original run of six episodes that, uh, let's see, was released in Japan from April 2000 to March 2001. Uh, and wow. then I think it came out a couple of years later in the U.S., if I am uh, correct there. Or maybe just a, a year later. But yeah, that was something similar where, you know... I've had anime in my life throughout my mm. life, but still kind of a little bit more on the green side like yourself. And this did bring me back to not the Digimon show, but the Digimon first movie. Okay. Uh, like that art style, um, especially with like that late 90s kind of grunge pop uh, or not pop punk but like punk rock uh, yeah. uh, uh, soundtrack there uh, that immediately when I was done, I was like, Please tell me that this is somewhere on uh, Apple Music. Looked okay. it up. And it's uh, a band called The Pillows, I believe. Um, and yeah, they have like the entire soundtrack that Sweet. they like all of the music that they made for the show on there. So that's just been in my rotation the last couple of days. Um, but yeah, to talk about the show itself. Um, yeah, it, it immediately got drawn in by the art style, the music. The the story itself and the characters that's where I, it started to lose me just like okay, a little okay. bit. Um, I I liked the kind of what they were the at least the premise of this coming of age story uh, following the main character. Um, you know this kid who uh, recently had his older brother move to the the U.S. playing baseball um, is kind of in this weird relationship with his brother's ex girlfriend in a weird way, a little young for it too. Yeah, uh, and then yeah gets uh, visited by this uh, uh, woman cl uh, claiming that she's an alien, um, just checking out the town for whatever reason, and a bunch of hijinks happen. She hits him in the head with her guitar, which brings out these weird robots being made by uh, like either a company or so, like an organization from space it was a lot to take in because of how weird the show is when it comes to its humor um kind of the the main character i'm blanking on his name uh i think is nauta i believe um and like his view of you know growing up in this like very mundane town but then being thrown into all of this craziness uh and then yeah just like all of the weird plot of like is this an alien invasion? What is uh, uh, the pink-haired lady's goal in, in all of this? Yeah. And I, I walked away being like, yeah, this was maybe a little too weird for myself. But I still okay. I still had a fun time. I really appreciated going back and and being brought back to something from like the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Because even though I didn't grow up watching this show, it definitely like kind of brought me back to my childhood a little bit. So I did appreciate it.
Yeah, I, I liked the coming of age story, right? Like, this isn't something that I normally seek out, nor have I really watched in the anime world, this genre, right? And so, like, it was kind of cute, and it caught me right at the beginning of, oh, look at him with this cute little girl, and, like, they're making out underneath the bridge, but, like, it's not his girlfriend. Oh, it's, like, the brother's girlfriend, but also the brother saved her yeah. during a certain situation, right? So, like, that was a whole interesting, weird scenario, but, like, it was a fun little relationship that they had. And then mm. to see her get jealous of this pink haired girl that came yeah. out of nowhere on a moped. Right. And like the art style, when people got banged up by the moped or when she smacked someone in the face with the guitar it was like really, where really they just cool, go into right? manga panels Correct. That, like very early on episode one <laughs> and the finale, right. Of like, it was too much money to do the manga panels. They told us not to do the manga panels. <laughs> I did love how, like, fourth wall breaking it was yes. in, like, very tongue-in-cheek ways. It I, felt, like, like, ripped out of, like, a raunchy MTV late-night show. Yeah. Right? Like, they even brought up MTV at one point. But, like, the music mixed with that weird manga part mixed with, like, the uber horny, we're going to talk about sex but call it fooly cooly, but it's not sex, but it is sex. Yeah. And, like... They had this weird back and forth that felt like Ren and Stimpy or like a late night Cartoon Network MTV mm -hmm. show that you'd be like, what am I watching? Yeah. But I get it. This is, uh, this, we're that. in adult swim right yes, now. Exactly. Or, or we're staying up late and what the hell does this all mean? I don't know. But, you know, it, 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 there's something that definitely pulls you in for it for sure. Um, but yeah. I enjoyed it. I had a fun time. Yeah. Any, mean, any final thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, there's so much still to talk about. Oh, yeah. I mean, the giant iron, right? Like that giant corporation up top, but then mm. like the hand came out of nowhere and they were going to iron our brains and smooth out the wrinkles. I thought was always so weird. And like, yeah, it just goes into like the late night MTV. Like I'm smoking on a joint. Like my mind is getting blown. <laughs> like they're going to wrinkle my brain. So I can't think like, holy cow. Or like, when the hand came up and all of the steam came out yeah. and the kid got really sad because the pink haired girl went outside of the steam, but like inside the steam, it felt like, oh, the town is just here and like, there's nothing else. Right. Yeah. Or she was like, Hey, let me take you out. And they like drove around and you could feel like he started to love this girl and like wanted mm. to be with her and like understood. And then at the end, of course, the payoff was like, you're just the kid. I got to go. Mm. Cause she was chasing what I took from the what they were telling us is she's in love with like the badass like battle angel pirate, guy, uh, I, pirate yeah. guy from, in the middle of space that she's like, like yeah, trying yeah. to call bits and pieces of uh -huh. of him to the to the world. Yeah, I, I think uh, the main takeaway for me is that like even though like the kind of like specific plot stuff, the lore that they're trying to build, none of it really grabbed me just because of how weird it was. But the thing that it were the the main thing that worked for me for the show was just like the overall vibes of it mm -hmm. of uh taking into account this being in, uh being developed at least in the late 90s of kind of like, and what i imagine what it was like growing up at the time where you're very unsure of like what's going on in the world especially you know like y2k like kind of around the corner and just being like i don't know i'm just like living my life but everything kind of feels weird i i liked that it was a coming of age thing but it didn't really feel like it had a kind of big lesson to take away from it. It was just like growing up is weird. And, and, and you know, I was a little baby in the, the late 90s, so I, I don't remember too much, but I imagine like growing up in the late 90s was fucking weird, you know? Uh, and so that those were the things that worked for me. Uh, maybe, it, you know, the sequel series, maybe more of the, the plot and lore stuff uh, starts to work for me a little bit more. Because, yeah, it was hard to tell if like, uh, you know, some of the insinuation of like the, um, the red-haired girl from the hometown, like, was her emotions affecting the big steamroll? Like, it, it was a lot of, like, all right, yes. what are the rules being set up here? Um, and, like, uh, trying to read into uh, too much into certain things. But 
yeah, I, I did love a lot of the characters. I, I love the the first little robot that gets pulled out of his head. If you want to talk, you know, yes, high five rush, rush. Uh, yeah, vibes of it. you know, and then him eating Nauta to get powered up, and then you know, eventually pooping Nauta out, and he smells and uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just like really really weird stuff. Crazy robot dog at the end where she was the original girl had a robot dog now that she was letting eat. She had the vengeance list and she was getting revenge on everybody. And yeah. like she was eating their mopeds and their little mo- motorcycles. And then it got out of hand. They ate everything. That and the, the, the weird government agent who's like wearing these obviously fake eyebrows. Oh, and you're yes. like, I guess this is just a goof, but then it's maybe revealed that the eyebrows are specifically something to like help you not get uh, the robots kind of coming out of your mm-hmm. brain or whatever. Um, yeah. A lot of just like weird stuff. It, it reminded me a lot of, you know, uh, being a new fan of mom psycho of just like the really weird humor and contextualizing weird goofs like that. Uh, especially like with the steamroller kind of being this, uh, uh, this, whatever facility in the middle of the town reminded me a lot of, you know, there's a big uh, thing of broccoli uh, eventually in Mob Psycho that's just like in the middle of a town. Um, and so it, it definitely, I could see the inspirations, not just for for Mob Psycho, but a lot of like more recent animators. Like, okay, like this is, Fully Cooley definitely has a staple in in this industry and, uh, you know, uh, inspired a lot of visual direction, uh, tonal direction, things like that. Yeah, when we look back on this to end this is, I will not remember Fooly Cooly for the story. I'll remember bits and pieces, mm. but I will remember the dope vibes, right? Yes. The art style, the music, the hi-fi rush, guitar and robots. I'm into that, right? And so I will always remember Fooly Cooly for that. And I'll always ask myself, am I doing the Fooly Cooly? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I'm going to ask myself that sometimes. I might say that one day in the future. Oh, you never God. know, Chad. You know what? On the night, when Nick comes back from vacation, because <laughs> we're recording this a week earlier before the, the episode uh, comes out, so Nick's on vacation. When he comes back on your next morning show, just be like, you doing the Fooly Cooly? Exactly. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> no context. <laughs> uh, well, that wraps up a little bit of uh, homework time with Fooly Cooly. Again, thank you, AJ, for thank uh, you, recomm- AJ. Uh, yeah, recommending that. What I re- to pull the curtain back, what I originally wanted to do was have us do homework for every episode. But like mm-hmm. I said, knowing what episode three of kind of anime is going to look like in a few months, um, it's going to be a little too jam-packed for a piece of homework. But okay. I still want us to do uh, some homework for episode four of kind of anime. So in the comments below, uh, leave your recommendations mm. of uh, a okay. new anime, uh, either old or modern, that you want Mike and I to uh, check out, whether it's the, the first season, whether it's a short run of something. That was nice with fully coolly of like just going into the original uh run six episodes mm-hmm. in and out i like that um so leave that in the comments below if you're listening on podcast services if you're driving down the highway right now i don't want you to pull over i want you to do the 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 cool akira like bike slide oh yeah and block every lane in the highway and when everybody's honking at you being like what are you doing tell them Leave your comment in the in the what YouTube uh, video to let Barrett and Mike know what they should be watching for that. the final episode of Kind of Anime way further down the line. Uh, but with that, Mike, let's get into a little bit of general what you've been watching. Mm. Mike, you've been watching anything? Barrett, you know what? I haven't been watching much besides, of course, our homework mm. to My Hero, which we're going to talk about in One Piece. But I did go see a movie. Oh, with okay. you and yeah, your yeah, loving yeah. wife. And I guess I'll talk about that. A little Demon Slayer okay. movie. You and I went there into the theaters, and I always find it really special for me. This is my third anime in the theaters, right? Mm. I've seen both of my hero movies in the movie theaters, and they both have been very special things, right? You get to see the community. You get to see the audience. They all come and celebrate. My hero in particular was always special because they had the movie posters. Oh, t- yeah. T-shirts outside. It's a little different. A little different, you know what I mean? But 
I got to see a different fandom, which mm. is Demon Slayer, right? Yeah. I get to see the kids dressed up in the iconic green and black checkered, right? Like, you get to see the cool mouthpiece. Like, people want to wear that stuff, and oh, it's yeah. cool as can be. And seeing it on the big screen was something special. Mm. Still have a small critique when it comes down to sound. Once again, the sound did not punch like it needed to yeah, during there was, that. Like I, that I do, again, it happened. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, specifically about the episode itself because yeah. the theatrical release I saw a lot of people were confused by and felt like they were kind of like uh, like tricked into uh, going to mm. see this because yeah, it wasn't like uh, it wasn't Mugen Train where uh, Mugen Train was originally adapted into a movie. It was like roughly two hours and it covered this entire arc, and then later on they kind of re uh, uh, adapted adapted it for the 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 anime show itself yeah. and got like seven full episodes you got a little bit more context of what was going in uh on with that uh that arc but yeah this one was a little bit different where it was they just played the last two episodes mm -hmm. of season 2 so the the big fight with i believe uh Daki and Oh, I'm forgetting the other sibling, but the, the essentially the kind of uh, peak fight uh, at the end of the Entertainment District arc. Uh, and then we got the first episode of season three uh, a month early, essentially. And we got, we got to check that out. And yeah, I do remember like... It was it was just weird presentation wise, like all over the all over the place. I thought even though that there were three ep uh, separate episodes kind of being like uh, presented as like one big theatrical thing, there would have been a little bit more editing to transition uh, mm, easily from no, an no. episode to episode. Yeah, yeah. But then at the end of the first episode, like the credits start rolling and then you turn to me and you're like, is it over? Is that all we just watched? And I was like, no, there's two more episodes yep. going We're on right now. We're just showing it. Like, yeah, they're showing full credits, and then it fades yep. to black, and then it plays the next episode, and then fades to black, and then plays the final episode. It's very weird. And then, yeah, on top of that, like it was a lot of sound mixing that was really that, weird. That's my biggest nitpick. Is yeah. Now coming into number three, I knew from the My Hero ones, especially for the, the finale, Barrett. I'll never forget the finale of both the My Hero movies. Mm. Right? This big epic fight scene. Deku's doing the craziest stuff. Baku goes flying. And they play this really awesome music. And you can't hear it. There's no bass. There's no bump yeah. to it at all. Same thing happened here. We're like, huh. we're seeing some stunning animation on the screen. Oh, right? yeah. like, we'll talk about it. That final... Or that final episode that we watched but was also the season opener had some of the coolest stuff i've ever seen on a movie screen right like i'm like oh this is dope but then the sound just doesn't help it at all it doesn't yeah. elevate it and, and, and i wonder if that's something with like uh you know making a mix specifically for theaters that they're just not yeah figuring out i i, I remember seeing the uh second my hero movie in theaters and it was in a smaller uh theater but I don't remember there being like an issue with uh, audio problems. And I know if you ask Blessing about that, he won't be able to tell you anything because he fell asleep 10 minutes into that movie. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a, a head scratcher. And I, I did rewatch the, the episode uh, this last weekend since uh, season three is officially started. Um, and the music did hit like at home yeah. with the sound mixing. So it, yeah, I wonder if oh. it's just like a distribution thing to theaters. That's yeah, just like weird. Let's talk about those three episodes because that was awesome. Mm. To end season two, getting the big fights, right? Like having the baddest of the baddest villains. You know, I mean, that scary guy was decomposing. He had two badass blades, and, and his sister like this, was the, he's so creepy. The scariest. I mean, those two were very cool. And then, of course, they have the whole team rally, mm. right? Like that's something that was really special to see them rally and do something awesome to end. And then, I mean, the newest episode is fire. 
to yeah. see the big bads were dope. Yeah, I know uh, season two, I know, is a, a little bit old to talk about, but it was just it was great to see that in the theaters of uh, our main trio kind of come together and to to help out the the sound Hashira uh, take out the first upper ranked demon that's ever yes. been taken out in, I think, like a hundred years or something like that. And yeah, it, just the hype moment of the cutting back and forth between uh, Tanjiro, Enosuke, uh, and Zenitsu, like all kind of screaming. And I just want to give a shout out. I know when Gary would have talked about Demon Slayer for the first time, I believe it was Zenitsu he was talking about where it's like, you know, I was really into Demon Slayer. And then they introduced that one character who's super fucking annoying. And I know that Zenitsu, yeah, very much of a crybaby. But when that motherfucker goes to sleep and gets super cool where he's like uh, thunder breathing first form. I don't know. I, I would have to go back to rewatch his origin. But the fact that he's just really good at this one stance while he's sleeping is just really, really goddamn cool. And oh. every time it happens, I get goddamn chills. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about, uh, you know, jumping ahead a little bit. Let's talk about the first episode of season three. I know when we uh, saw it, you weren't fully caught up on Correct. Demon Slayer. Correct. But did yep. that? It, it, I, I think it inspired you to, to start catching back up on Demon Correct. Slayer. Correct. Right? It's got me watching right okay. now. I'm early part of season two, okay. trying to catch up to where we were. I watched all the way to season one before we started the movie, and so mm. yeah, it's just it got me excited, right? And seeing the art style and the baddies in this is something different and unique from what I'm seeing from my hero to mm. also uh, One Piece. It's like, oh, I really love. The baddies, I like their themes. I like their elements. I love how they're drawn and animated. Like, oh, yeah. That, that first episode and seeing the high-ranking super baddies, real badass. That entire first third of the episode was jaw-dropping. Oh, yeah, when she's, bing! Yeah, with the, what was it, the the, the Biwa, I think, or I, I think is the instrument that uh, she plays. But seeing that in theaters, and I know we talked about a little bit of the sound mixing not hitting, but still, like, it felt grand. The the music, the way that, like, cuts were being edited of different perspectives, of essentially, like, different camera cuts and how things would transition, introducing each uh, demon in the uh, upper rank demon yes. uh, kind of core, uh, talking to uh, Lord Muzan, him being like, hey, like one of y'all was just killed for the first time. Uh, you know, y'all have become, you know, a little bit weak-willed here and you're not doing what I want you to be doing. And the fact that one of you has died, like we got to get real about the hitting back <laughs> at the Demon Slayer core. Um, it felt like a stage play, that first third of the episode uh, with everything and how grand it all felt. And I felt that again, watching it, uh, at home like I thought it, maybe it was just like being in a theater where I felt like I was watching a live stage play but watching it again yesterday at home it still has that grand feeling yeah that was just like what a way to introduce oh. the upper like all the upper rank demons because the the one that we kind of focus on the beginning was the same upper rank who killed um uh oh man I'm blanking on his name but the the fire Hashira who I'm wearing a shirt of right now set your heart ablaze um it's that same upper rank demon and kind of seeing all of these uh, characters be introduced from his perspective, showing off the infinity castle, which is like their weird base. And he like the way he like just kind of like falls back and starts like falling and just seeing the grand skill uh, scale of the infinity mm -hmm. castle for the first time, maybe a little bit tease of maybe we'll go back to the infinity castle at some point, but yeah, super, super epic. And then of course we get into, you know, reintroducing our main heroes uh, Tanjiro has been knocked out for a couple of months, uh, you know, getting the hijinks with the uh, hanging up on the, the ceiling and just, 
you know, bringing back the the lovely, uh, charming vibes of the yeah. show that we sometimes forget when everything is super intense all the time. Uh, and then uh, we get we go on the journey with Tanjiro because he chipped his uh, sword Got again. Your sword, and yeah, yeah. we we go to the swordsmith village, which is uh, which is. A really cool, interesting concept of like nobody knows exactly where it is. Tanjiro has to be like taken person by person and, and is blindfolded. And because they know that he has a really strong sense of smell, they plug up his nose as well. Uh, yeah. What do you think of the introduction cool. of uh, I thought the that swordsman? was rad. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was really rad. I loved how they took different people to different places and then they didn't even know where they were going to get to the the village and then the village is super cool looking yeah right like reminds me of like we're up in the hills now we have this really space special unique setting and yeah. like i liked the tone of where we were going i like that you know it, it it's a part of the universe i didn't think was would ever be fleshed out but like yeah like the the swordsmiths are like a their kind of own organization within the demon slayer core and there's a whole hierarchy of you know like the tiny little mayor guy uh and you know everybody like can visit if they want to to like have their sword worked on uh and i thought it was interesting of i think it's the mayor who says like tanjiro's apologizing for breaking his sword again and it's the mayor who's like no your swordsmith sucks yeah. and of like oh interesting so uh, you know there's some some interesting uh things that we might uh follow up on uh there and then there's this whole mystery mike we had a dream sequence right when tanjiro was waking up Seems to be one of his ancestors meeting this uh, this uh, uh, swordsman from way back in the day, holding a baby with the really long hair and with the the same earrings that Tanjiro wears. It looks a lot like Tanjiro's dad, but isn't his dad. And then we, at the end of the episode, see what seems to be a training dummy that also looks like this man. Like, do you have no I, any thoughts on like who this guy? Like, I'm so fascinated to learn of like no. more of like who this person is who looked a lot like Tancho's dad, but maybe isn't related to them whatsoever. Like uh, seeing like the, the flashback in Tancho's huh. ancestors memory. It doesn't seem like they're related. They just happen to know each other. So I don't even remember that part. Okay. I, I, the, it has been a month to be The fair. parts that I remember the most are the infinity castle and then the trek to the swordsmith mm. village. That's what I remember. And then I think there was a moment where he walked upstairs and went to like the hot tubs to rest, right? Oh there yeah. The girl yeah. there. That's all I remember. In that. Okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. We got to, uh, uh, get reintroduced to the love Hashira and then we got, uh, reintroduced. I forget his name, but the Mohawk guy who's like really scarred on his face. Bad boy. Yeah. Who was also part of the same crew that Tanjiro kind of like got inducted into the demon, uh, Slayer core with. And we haven't really, we've seen him like once since then mm. for a brief moment. So maybe we'll get to learn a little bit more about him. And we also got like a brief moment with the, oh, the Miss Tasha at the end of this episode. So a lot of characters that we've known about, but haven't really gotten to know uh, for a while. So, you know, it, it seems like we're going to focus on a little bit of a, a different cast this season, which is yeah. exciting. And Nosuke and Zenitsu are doing their own thing right now, which is rare. You know, we get to usually see a lot of them. So uh, I think it's going to be a, a nice way to kind of like, kind of build out more of these characters that have been set up over time. Yeah, special for me. I loved going to the movies with you. Yeah. That was a cool time. And then got me excited about Demon Slayer. Hell yeah. You know, I think it's an uphill battle to recommend me stuff when I'm so tied to One Piece and My Hero. So, right. like, going to see that, it's like, oh, hey, we're going to go for a two-hour experience. We're going to watch a movie, hang out at the mall. Mm -hmm. And then, like, I walked out of that going, man, I'm interested in Demon Slayer now. I go watch that. Hell yeah. What you been watching? Uh, Yeah, I just want to... Uh, 
run through some quick things here. Uh, the first thing I want to shout out that uh, uh, was one of the big shows that was part of uh, the, what is that, spring season of anime was Buddy Daddies. Mm. Uh, shout out to, to Buddy Daddies and Kate Sanchez for putting me onto this and uh, tweeting about it a lot. Uh, it's an original anime. It's not uh, based on any manga uh, made by uh, or being worked on by PA Works. And the, I'll just read the basic synopsis. Uh, Buddy Daddy, Buddy Daddy centers on a family of three who aren't related to each other: Kasuki, uh, Kurusu, Reisua, uh, assassins who live under one roof, and Miri, the daughter of Kazuki and Ray's assassination target, who ended up being uh, picked up by Kazuki, who's uh, who she thinks is her biological father. So. If you're missing the kind of spy family hijinks, okay, of, okay, you know, yeah, uh, uh -huh. kind of uh, at least the basic premise of like these two adults who have a very dangerous profession and then you know adopt a tiny child uh, okay. to you know try to find that balance of what they you know do in their nighttime life and you know learning how to be parents. Um, and I think that's where the comparison kind of ends. Really, I think Buddy Daddy's uh, kind of wears its heart a, a little bit more on its sleeve than Spy Family does. Like, a very similar premise, but definitely different vibes. I would say Buddy Daddy's feels more front-facing wholesome in, okay. in a lot of ways, where Spy Family, I think, does a lot of mixing of, you know, little wholesome moments, but then, you know, hijinks mm. and, you know, secret, like, you know, espionage the stuff. Or Buddy yeah, Daddy's yeah. is, like, it's really just these two dumb himbos just like learning how to raise <laughs> raise like oh, this tiny okay. little child and it's it's really sweet it's only 12 episodes and again it's an original anime no manga that it's based off of so i don't even know if it's going to be planned for another season um and then the way it tells its story within these 12 episodes it, it was a, it was a great in and out adventure there's a lot of times where because I didn't know how many episodes uh, it was week to week, there were a couple of times where an episode would end, and I'd be like, "Is that where we're ending this season? You can't end it like that!" Like it, it, it does a really good job of you know keeping you on the edge of your seat, um, having some fun laughs with these these two idiots who are just like trying to learn to be dads. Uh, Kazuki is definitely like the more prepared adult when it comes to like, all right, we got to make her breakfast. We should probably set her up at a daycare, uh, things like that. And then Ray is kind of this, like this emo bad boy. Who's like the real badass of the assassination, uh, duo, uh, between them. And is just like really tired all the time. Just wants to play video games all mm -hmm. the time. Um, a, a great, uh, kind of, um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, just like chemistry between oh, all like three characters. Um, yeah, very wholesome. And so if you're if you're looking for something spy family adjacent, okay. again, it's not a full one to one, but Buddy Daddies was definitely a fun uh, fun watch. Like I was, that was another one I was waiting for every week alongside my hero alongside uh near automata uh things like that so yeah i Damn. just wanted to do you a got quick me excited about that oh, one yeah there. go check it out I will it's all say, out right now on the spy family side we mm. talked about that last time i wanted a little more action got a lot of wholesome a lot of hijinks i was looking for more of the mrs or mr and mrs smith action mm. right and i was going to ask you does this have it but it makes it sound like it's more Wholesome and hijinks. There are the some the episodes action. that like give you How some action. of the uh, some action yeah, scenes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I would say like uh, there's a huge set piece at some point, and then it, it it does really feel like it comes out of nowhere a little bit because okay. I I would say most of the show does focus a little bit more on the 
family dynamic, these two dudes trying to learn how to, you know, be a part of this family. It opens up in a very bombastic action-y way, which is really fun. And then there's a big set piece to wrap up the season okay. that really is goes hardcore if you if you want some you okay. know, the things okay. to maybe okay. make you cringe a little bit, which uh, made me uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, worked with uh, works for me on an emotional level um, in different ways, and yeah, highly recommend it. it was a rare one where uh, it was similar to Spy Family, where because I was watching week to week, I was doing primarily subbed, and then like never felt the need to go back to dubbed. But I, I, I do want to go if I ever do a rewatch of either Spy Family yeah, yeah. or Buddy Daddies to go back into to check out the dubbed versions just to see what the performances are like. Okay. Uh, so I have that. Uh, Cyberpunk Edgerunners uh, I watched. That was a big one from last year over on Netflix. Yes. Um, had a great time with this one. Uh, obviously, this is uh, uh, an anime, not adaptation uh, of Cyberpunk 2077, but a story told in that same world. Uh, okay. I think it, it still takes place in Night City. I think it's roughly a year before the events of 2077. Um Animated by Studio Trigger, which you might know from, uh, pardon me, uh, things like Promare and Kill a Kill. And uh, follows, uh, oh man, uh, a kid named David who's just like this other, like kind of run of the mill, just kid, kind of. Uh, at a set up at a fancy school uh, from his working mom and kind of falls out of that uh, to kind of just live and kind of run the streets of, of Night City. Oh, and uh, okay. yeah, it's. Very stylish, uh, a lot of action. If you're looking for a lot of crazy action, this is one I highly I recommend. Like that. I like uh, that. I think that's something that Trigger uh, really shows off in a in a great way. Shout out to Zach Aguilar, who is the the voice of Tanjiro in Demon Slayer, who okay. is the voice of David in this. Um, something I did not expect of how depressing it was uh, oh. as well. And I I think it's it's one of those like it does it. It's a really great story, and I think. Um, and granted, I'd never finished the the story of Cyberpunk 2077, so I don't know if there's similar themes here. But I I, I really enjoyed the kind of focusing on the cycl cyclical nature of people trying to survive in like a hyper capitalist uh, city mm. like uh, Night City in the world of Cyberpunk, and just kind of showing off yeah how cyclical and almost like futile life uh, feels in that kind of state of a world and i i think it's showcased really well um and yeah I had, I had a lot of fun with it i was really surprised it was one of those cool. like i it won a couple of awards i think at the uh the end of last year uh recently i think and a at, at an award show um but yeah i was i was really blown away by uh cyberpunk edge runners especially like you know, I really only know Netflix for adapting anime into live action. And yeah. That has never been a, a great showcase there. So not, this was my first wins. time being like, all right, let's actually check out an actual anime uh, being kind of distributed by Netflix. And uh, yeah, I, I thought it was really, really cool. Um, I think it like uh, has a lot of, uh, or not a lot, but like it, it brought me back to that kind of uh, Akira a little bit vibe, but Trigger's own spin on it with their very unique uh, animation style um, and art style. So. Does it make you want to go play the game? Like when you finish this, is it like The Witcher, <laughs> where like you watch The Witcher and you're like, oh my god, I gotta play The Witcher right now. Like, is it like that? It had me thinking about it. Okay. Did I hit okay. download? Not yet, but I have. It has been rattling in my brain of like, do I want to go on What's my own Night cyberpunk yeah, yeah. adventure in Night City? Uh, like it, it definitely. When the show ended, uh, yeah, I was definitely. It, it had me thinking a little bit. Maybe I like maybe that. sometime Good. later down the year when it's a little less busy with you know the TV and anime and video games uh, all coming out. 
Um, yeah. I like maybe, the rundown of that because I, I thought Cyberpunk Edge Runners was a bunch of different small stories. No. Within that, right? Like yeah. Star Wars did that recently, right? Where they yeah, had the Star Wars Visions. Yes, where they had just a bunch of different stories and let people tell stories. I would have thought it was like that. So I like yeah, hearing no. that it's like one one whole story, story. And again, like very that. similar to or similar to uh, Buddy Daddies, where it's like it's this one story. If they ever do a season two, I'd be very surprised. Like I mm. felt satisfied just with the story that they focus on here okay. um and yeah I, I i just yeah a, a lot of it brought me back to like nothing specific but just like 80s and 90s uh anime um especially and i i think that kind of works in benefit with you know adapting the cyberpunk world uh you know uh, i think the director if i'm uh correct here this was uh Hiroyuki, uh oh man uh I'm going to butcher this. Imiyashi, uh, also uh, directing things like Kill a Kill and uh, Promare. But yeah, it, it brought me back to a different era of anime, that, I, cool. but with a modern take on it that I thought was really, really rad. So yeah, Great. highly check out Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I know all of you watching have probably already seen it because it took over the world when it was coming out. And to wrap up <laughs> really quick, uh, I got to see Suzume. Uh, this was uh, to bring back to the a month ago when you and I went to go yeah. see Demon Slayer in theaters. There was a trailer a movie called Suzume that caught uh, our eye. Um, yeah. And this is the latest uh, anime movie uh, directed by Makoto Shinkai, who's uh, known for Your Name and Weathering With You. And it fo uh, focuses on uh, a 17-year-old high school girl named Suzume um, who notices these, or uh, uh, goes on this adventure to close these random doors that have been popping up uh, throughout Japan. And uh, I don't want to give out uh, too many spoilers. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying going to keep uh, keep it spoiler free for here uh, because it is out now um, in theaters. Uh, I believe in the the U.S. Uh, in both subbed and dubbed. And yeah, I had a really fun time with this. This is my first uh, time watching a Makoto Shinkai uh, joint. Uh, I know a lot of people loved your name. Uh, I, I heard some similar praise for weathering with you. So this was my first time actually watching one of his works and uh, the, the team that he works with. And yeah, I, I, kind of what grabbed us was the animation style, the art style. And yeah, it's, you really feel the attention to detail and love throughout the entire movie. Um, yeah. It, it, not to, I know everything, uh, especially in the, like uh, kind of the Western uh, part of the, the, the globe, it gets compared to Ghibli, but the, a lot of like the, just like the, detail and like the backdrop shots and stuff like that like really brought me to that same level of detail in like a Ghibli movie um and yeah it was a fun adventure I think the the first half of it gets a little bit a little bit repetitive and like what their goal is she, you know she teams up with this guy who gets turned into a chair uh if you remember from the trailer there's a, a chair kind of walking around like it's a little human um and that that stuff's fun and it, it, it brings up some some great hijinks um but yeah they're kind of like their mission that they're out to go close these doors starts to feel a little repetitive and then you get halfway through the movie and then things start to shift in a major way of like what the movie is really about and uh yeah, so I, I think at that halfway point, I was like, I don't know if I'm feeling this. And then it kind of brought life back into me or I was like, oh, no, now I'm back into uh, the, the twists and turns here and what the rest of the story is. Uh, but another like similar like coming of age, just like trying to find Suzume, trying to find who she is as a, you know, a teenager um, and kind of going on this journey of remembering to connect with others after, you know, great loss, which, uh, you know, definitely everything came together in that last kind of big action 
set piece at the end of the movie in like the last five minutes. And it, it really hit me with an emotional punch that I was not expecting. Um, cause a good chunk of it, I was like, all right, well, what are the themes being set up here? What are we specifically saying, uh, when it comes to this, uh, coming of age tale? And I, I think they pulled it off in a great way. And yeah, again, if you're looking for more like kind of really hype action sequences, I know, like, when I say they're looking to close these doors uh, across Japan, it, it sounds a little mundane. But what they're tr trying not to let out of these doors is very intense. And, oh. like, every, like, time that they do it, I, I did say it felt a little repetitive after a while. But every time it's, like, the music that ramps up that feels a little, like... Uh, it, it, it makes you feel a little uh, nerve-wracking a little bit, um, but also epic and hype and them running to the store while it's getting blasted open by this giant uh, thing. That I'll, That's all I'll say there. Um, great performances. Again, I, wa I watched and subbed, but still, that was like... One thing that really stood out to me was uh, the the Japanese uh, uh, voice actor performances there. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, I think it's uh, you know to put it on the kind of funny scale, oh, the review the scale, scale bro. since it's something new uh, coming out. I would I would say that this, this is a great movie. Wow, a four out of five on the kind of funny Ooh. scale. So I mean, it looked great. So yeah. I'm I'm glad that it stood that. So that's highly recommend it. I don't know uh, when it'll uh, when or if it'll come to streaming on uh, Crunchyroll or. Funimation or any of that stuff, but yeah, it's out now uh, in theaters by the time you're watching this, I believe. Uh, it just, uh, I think, uh, just came to the West this last weekend, so there you go. Highly recommend it. Mike, let's get to our shared love. Let's talk about it. My Hero Academia, Season 6, Part 2. Last time we were here, we covered all of Part 1, which is the huge, complicated, so many different storylines kind of being interwoven into the, all these episodes of the war arc. Yes. And you were, you know, we left off uh, season six, part one, with you being a little disappointed. You thought this was going to be the big wrap up when it came to the mm -hmm, Shigaraki mm -hmm. storyline. Yep. Um, but now we're in the aftermath of the war. Mike, what did, how do you feel after being what felt like a little letdown from season yeah, six, part yeah, one? Yeah. You loved the highs and the, the, the roller coaster of that. How do you feel now seeing what the aftermath of the war is? Barrett, they absolutely crushed it. I was not anticipating the story that could come out of this, mm. right? I told you in part one of kind of anime after part one of season six, I said that felt like everything they have to give me, mm. right? Like that was the most epic climax we could have got to. That's where it probably should have ended. Cause now where do we go? Yeah. Right? Like what happens now? And Oh mm. boy, we start off and we break all the baddies out of Tartarus and all the jails in the surrounding area. And it's like, Oh, we're far from done bears. And somehow, <laughs> in this second half of the season, I think I loved this more than the first half. Because, mm -hmm. man, oh, man, did they show and tell a whole lot. And did they share a whole lot. I mean, we had baggage to unpack from families. We got to see Deku step up and really show what he can do. But also, the class came back and said, yo, you got to ground yourself. Mm -hmm. You got to mm -hmm. be with us. And we also see a world that is frightened and in a tough spot right now, and we need to call upon others from around the globe. And it gives me goosebumps to think of that because, you know, when you watch My Hero, we focus so much on Japan. and like, mm. that's where we're at. That's the only thing you see. You don't really think about the outside world, right? You kind of think like, oh, my God, yeah. these guys are almost The last time it was shown in right? a major way was the first My Hero movie, right? Yeah, yeah, it's right. So I always think of, like, these are the worldly characters. All Might could be in Kentucky tomorrow. Like, he's he's got to be everywhere, right? But no, like... There are others out there, and it's crazy to see, like, when we end this, right, it's going down. Mm -hmm. People are coming to help.
because we know that it's all on the line. And so to jump back to it, Barrett, like I'm really blown away by this. I did not think I would be so high on this second half of the season. And they did everything that I wanted them to do. There was some really cool story arcs in this. Hell yeah. And, and I, I figured when you were like, I don't know where they go. And it's like at the time when we recorded episode one of a uh, kind of anime, I knew of like, you think you're on the roller coaster, but let me tell you, you've just been waiting in line at this point. Oh. Now we go on the real roller coaster Woo. of, yeah, the kind of aftermath of the war. Japan has just been kind of thrown into chaos, uh, mm-hmm. obviously with uh, Gigantomachia kind of just destroying all of these towns. And I think we talked a little bit about uh, in the last episode covering this, but kind of seeing immediately all these heroes who have kind of lived more of a cushy life because of thanks to All Might kind of shutting down organized crime and all these things of, you know, there's been this uh, kind of theme, this uh, or this idea that people have talked about of like, we live in an oversaturated hero society. And to kind of see that really fall apart in the second half of the season, I thought was really awesome. Like this, this part of the story is where I, where the manga was when I started finally reading up and catching up on the manga. And yeah, it went into a a place that I saw the setup for, but I never believed that they would actually like follow through on it. And I love that they do right of like the one, two punch of right of yeah. Gigantomachia kind of totaling a a good chunk of Japan, just running to get to the war. Uh, You know, you have Dobby coming out as uh, Endeavor son and really striking a blow into everybody across Japan on what true heroism is. Did like Endeavor seem to have caused this person to become who he is? Is he really what we need right now as a country? Uh, and then with on top of that, <clears throat> the whole jailbreak of, yeah, letting every all of the hardcore villains out in Tartarus and then the six out of seven other jailbreaks. Yep. I find it very interesting that there was, they pointed out, they're like, there were seven other jail attempted jailbreaks, and only six of them got everybody out. Will we ever hear oh. about that seventh one? I don't know. Like, okay, okay. That's an intro. Or do they count Tartarus as the seventh one? I don't know. Um, and so, yeah, like you just kind of feel of just the amount of weight that's eventually put onto Deku, right? Yeah. And you get the kind of uh, I think this is jumping a little bit ahead of him talking to the previous uh, One for All users, which mm-hmm. is cool. We've gotten little teases here and there uh, talking to the the One for All user who uh, uses Black Whip. But then here you get the actual full conversation yes. of, will you kill Shigaraki if you need to? And that being this really big test of what One for All actually means. And, you know, Deku talking about All Might teaching him that it's not used to take lives. And it, it really just reinforces what Deku's story has been, which is about saving people rather than taking lives. Uh, Cause that's what inspired him to become a hero from all might, you know, him as a, an adorable little child watching that tape where all might's like saving like dozens and dozens of people. And it kind of seeing that kind of be paid off here of, no, this is who I am. This is what I want to use this power for. Uh, what did you think about the uh, kind of reveal that, Deku is most likely the last one-for-all user, and it, it kind of is put on his shoulders of like, hey, you need to stop one-for-all, yeah. or all-for-one in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, that was cool, like the idea of like, you know, we've passed on this quirk to other people, and, you know, if you already had a quirk, your glass was already half full, and then we overfilled yeah. your glass, and you get your full lifespan. The guy was like, I only lived to 44. Yeah. He's like, that's crazy, right? And then he's like, you know, only one other person didn't have a quirk, and they were able to live a full life. 
who do we turn to? Mm. It was All Might, right? Yep. And so it's like crazy that Deku, like you said, could be the last one because as they talked about in the society, so many people have quirks. The quirk lists mm. are such a small number that the likelihood of Deku finding another Deku situation, All Might Deku situation, almost impossible, is probably never going to happen, right? And so that was a really cool part of it all of like, you know, we add on to each other, but if you don't have the empty glass, yours is going to overflow and you're going to have a problem. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And so, yeah, all the pressure is on him and you could feel. And now you understand like the stakes of where the story is kind yeah. of going oh, to lead to and wrap up with of like, it is Deku versus Shigaraki, the kind of next generation of these big hero and villain uh, duo with all might and all uh, one for all one, all, all for one. And all the pressure <laughs> was he already knew they were searching for him. Mm. They know that their all eyes are on Deku, right? And yeah. we're going to get to talk about some really cool, you know, hired guns here in a second, which were badass. But, like, the idea of, like, Deku, you got to go off on your own. And, like, he looked at the three of them and was like, hey, guys, like, this is what has to happen. I got to go. Like, I'm going to stay on the move, right? And the craziest parts of, like, we hear about this kid that's saving others, but, like, He's got, he looks like a Nomu almost because he's got multiple quirks, right? And like, he's dirty, he's ripped up, he's torn apart. He's just riding this adrenaline rush mm -hmm. every single time you see him. And All Might is there to like bring him a small piece of chicken, like, please eat. Like, you gotta, you gotta do this. And he's like, I'm fine, bro. Like, yeah. you could feel the pressure was on Deku. And each fight that he had was so impressive and so cool, right? Of like seeing what had to be done how he's starting to master all the other quirks, right? And, like, mm. I think the coolest one was seeing the round table, right? And, like, you see all the previous quirk users, but, of course, All Might is still alive. So his quirk guy is just all golden radiant, yeah. just sitting there. He doesn't And I talk. love the little de detail where, you know, Deku is sleeping, and he's, uh, All Might's kind of looking over him, and he's like, I can kind of feel the gist yes. of what the conversation is. Not exactly. And then they explain later where it's like, Anything that I feel or anything that I learn will go into that vestige. Yep. But anything that that vestige talks about in the all for one uh, or one for all realm, like doesn't come back to me, which I thought was a cool little explanation. Oh, there. and then I loved the two badass dudes who are facing the wall. Users, and you're like two and three. What is going on here, right? Like homeboy, it is all or nothing. Turn around and help this kid, right? And like you get a couple of shots where they're just staring mm. at the wall, and you question like. Are these guys going to turn, right? And then yep. they had this moment where they're like, he gets it, yep. and we're here to help now. You know? Before we get too far into this, because I, I, I love where we're going with that, uh, I just want to shout out really quickly, getting the full Todoroki family story, and it's full Whoa, the baggage. Which has been kind of, you know, uh, drizzled here and there throughout mm -hmm. the show. We got uh, Shoto's perspective in season two, but not a lot of context around that, yeah. of like why his mom did pour boiling water on his face and to kind of, you know, eventually see Endeavor's uh, side of it uh, a little bit, yeah. I think in season four and five, and then, you know, getting kind of the whole Dobby story here. Mm -hmm. What did you think about that? I thought that was awesome. Mm. The mom coming out and talking to yeah. of like, you think we, you're the only one in pain. Exactly. We've seen her in a lot of pain. She's never really spoken often. No. Right. Like and she's out of the, like she was, uh, she right. was um in a, like a, facility and now she's mm -hmm. she let herself out brother sister mother and Todoroki all there with Endeavor like hey dad like you gotta get up we've all I, gone I, through I pain before, we need you bro before they come in and uh, Endeavor's like man like this isn't you know like I, I, I should just give up these like I don't I shouldn't be number one all of this stuff and then Todoroki opens the door and he looks over and he goes the classic Endeavor Shoto 
so good. So good. And that was a really touching and special moment, right? Yeah. Of like the family coming together and all saying, hey, we've had parts where we messed up. Mm -hmm. And we have parts where like, yeah, you messed up, dad. Yeah. Right. But like, we need to come together and stop him yeah. because like he's coming no matter what. And like the cut back to like Dobby smiling on the couch. Yeah. And you know, he's thinking of them just waiting for his moment with yeah. badass. And really getting his side of it was just truly tragic of, you know, this. You saw Endeavor try, and not really. He wasn't equipped to be a dad to, to people that he was just creating just for the obsession of, you know, Wild. beating All Might, oh, right? Oh, man. But uh, to see, like, that obsession go to uh, Dobby, I'm blanking on his uh, his real name there, um, and also be obsessed with, like, no, Dad, I can fucking do it. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the tragic thing of, like, his firepower is better, or, like, bigger than Endeavor's, but his body and his frame is more like his mother's and he literally can't handle it. And he's scarring himself oh. because of that. And you get the kind of backstory of why he stapled pieces of, pieces of his like burnt flesh back together. Uh, it, it's just, it, it was really upsetting to, to, to see that. And yeah, I, I do love the family coming together and you know, the, um, the, the, the one brother who, you know, doesn't really want to forgive Endeavor. And I, I love that they reinforce that as well of, you know, Endeavor's, his whole story arc these last couple of seasons is not looking for forgiveness. You know, he, he understands that it's too late for that. He's just trying to repent and just, just fix it and just be done with it. And, you know, uh, we see a little moments throughout the season of him not really wanting to show his face at UA because he knows what that will do to people. Yep. And again, kind of testing his might. A lot of this second half of the season is really testing of like what a true hero is in a, in an oversaturated hero society. And what that is, is not looking for the praise and the, you know, the money that would usually come with that in their, uh, in their kind of capitalist hero society in a weird way. And you, you really see the, the true heroes come out, uh, the season. So yeah, that, that was special. I mean, I really liked that. And there was so much to that, and we even got more family baggage with mm. Hawks, Right, I really yeah. loved the Hawk storyline of like, yo, my dad killed a guy, and like we were in a bad way, right? Mm -hmm. Mom took him in, we hid from everything, and dad was never pleased. Like, dad was not a good dude. Yeah. And Hawk's like, you got those wings for nothing. Do something with it. You know what I mean? And, and like, him being introduced into this program when he was like, yeah. I don't know, like six or seven or whatever. Exactly. And he had the Endeavor toy and was like, this guy saved me. He got me out of that situation because yeah. Endeavor got the dad. I will, I will say God, I was, was a little good. disappointed because, again, I'm, uh, you know, I, I catch up with the manga every week when it comes out. And in the, in the manga, at least, when he learns that his dad uh, was taken in by Endeavor, like in the, in the anime, it shows like Endeavor kind of glowing and coming alive yes. a little bit. In the manga, Endeavor, like his little Endeavor uh, toy, like, pops out of his hands and starts like walking and kind of like running him uh, running away and like showing him like a path. And it's like this really beautiful moment. And they didn't quite adapt it the same way of like what I wanted in my mind. Uh, so that I, I was a little disappointed in that, but still like a beautiful moment of really learning of yeah, who that, Hawks is. Yeah. Hawks. And then his mother, of course, having to separate from her, but also mm -hmm. like bad guys figured it out yep. and they got a hold of her. You know yep. what I mean? Then of course that led into you know, Hawks going into this program and what Hawks became mm. the hired gun, right? Like Hawks had to work behind the scenes doing bad stuff because we got introduced into an awesome lady who was the baddest around who had so, Hawks' job. Yeah. So oh let's talk about the, what people call the dark Deku arc of him kind of going out and 
kind of being a vigilante. He's not really supposed to be like his own hero mm-hmm. going out and about. He's got a provisional license, but yeah, he's really just going out and technically teaming up with Endeavor Hawks and yeah. All Might, but really just kind of going off on his own. And the first big hired gun uh, that he runs into is Lady Nagant, um, who was hired specifically by uh, All for One to to look uh, be on the lookout for Deku. And who she have? She is... Uh, yeah, uh, she's got him. Chisaki. Yeah, as well. Holy so, smokes! What, what, what do you think about this uh, kind of battle here, leading into depressed Deku? <laughs> yeah, depressed Deku is so interesting, right? Because you kind of throw the normal rules out the window. Like where we are right now, he's not a UA high school student anymore. Yeah. He is a full-on hero who needs to go stop stuff. And the city outside of UA's protective walls mm. is a totally different place now, right? So he's got to go out there not only to train, but also he's on the hunt. He's got to take the fight to them, which I thought was really interesting, right? It's like, I'm going to go find the biggest and the baddest, and they're going to they're going to spill the beans, and I'm going to find this guy, right? And like, the, I the so reveal of his kind of full power. I love that they brought back the huge villain from season. Oh my god, the muscular three. guy! Yeah, 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 that was badass. Because you have to think back of when he fought him originally in season three. That was a huge fight. That was yeah. a big moment for Deku, uh, and uh, of course, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Coda? The, the little kid with the water uh, hose uh, uh, parents. And that was a huge fight that really wrecked Deku. And he takes him out like nothing. Nothing. And it really showcases of just like how much he's grown in physical strength, but then showcasing of like all of these new quirks that he has. Mm-hmm. Now he's got the uh, the mist power on top of Black Whip, on top of, I think it's uh, Fajin, uh, or Fajin. Oh, yeah, yeah, which the new is, one. Like, where yeah, you yeah. do, like, uh, repeated movements, and you build up, like, more power. And to have that pay off in the Lady Nagant fight, where he's like, you know, people in my generation were used to seeing All Might be faster than a, a speeding bullet. And you see Deku get to do that same exact thing was just it was like chill inducing man on top of like just the very smooth animation with the lady in the gong oh fight. yeah and her badass story oh, the yeah. backstory of her being like an a young child who wanted to be a hero and they took her in and then all of a sudden made her just the assassin behind the scenes right yeah. like hey you're a hero but you're gonna do the dirty work and she's just out there murdering people with she her can't talents, even right like shake hands with children oh, all she sees is blood on her hands, right man and then to eventually the breaking point of like i just couldn't do it anymore yeah. i i have to stop right and like i thought that was a cool storyline her quirk epic right taking off that body awesome, horror man it's oh, so gross that beautiful freaking hair that she would take apart, build whatever bullets you wanted, and the gun was coming out of the arm, right? Like, that was so badass. It's cool. And, of course, what does All for One do? We make a deal. Mm. And then he gives her a power. Yeah. And now she has air the walk. float. Yeah, the air walk, which is, like, so cool. She's doing the wanted. She's moving the bullets around. And then, like you said, Deku just outsmarting her, right? Of, like, yeah. I'm going to put the mist out. I'm going to throw decoys. I'm going to listen where she's at. he's still Deku. And here Even though I he come. has all this power, he still has, like, the strategic brain that he's been building yeah. since episode one, you know? Oh. Uh, and, yeah, that was really cool to see all that, like, pay off. And, yeah, again, shout out to the animation, really, uh, specifically in the second half of this season. Really beautiful. 
very well showcased in the opening, the new opening for this arc as well. Just yes, absolutely mind blowing. Uh, and then you know, after you know uh, the confrontation with Nagant, uh, her finally giving some some information because she sees the light that still shines in Deku and mm-hmm. Hawks's eyes, and uh, then we get Deku in a really bad place and is messed up from uh, going to the uh, oh man, what was it like? Essentially, the KKK. Uh, version uh, of this universe, but for like anti-creature. Oh uh, yeah, that was sad. People. That was really sad. Uh, yeah. Learning about that, like in a quick scene, I think in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. But it's the same house, and Deku goes there with the with the team up, and um, is expecting to find somebody there, and it's all for one instead being like, yeah, like all my he had my interest for a while, but he's so boring. He's so last year, you know who you know who's got my interest, you. Now it's your turn. Yeah. And the way he flips that back on Deku, where like the now it's your turn is such a big moment at the uh or near the end of season three, where it's All Might's last fight, and he says that Deku knowing it's for him, right? And for uh all for one to bring that back is just pure evil. And then we get Deku really in a bad place of just abandoning All Might eventually, you know, like uh, not wanting to be around people because he's scared of losing anybody or getting anybody else hurt and you know like it was just it was heartbreaking of all might trying to reach a handout similar to what night i was trying to do with all might when all might was also obsessed with like no i'm going to do this and i'm going to destroy myself for the sake of upholding the society that has a lot of problems going on in it right uh and i love that we got that moment as well as heartbreaking as it was to see all Might kind of understand what he did to his relationships what his motivations and how that kind of turned society into the way that it is now not saying that that's exactly the wrong answer that he had of the time that he grew up in but seeing of like we can't just rely on one person anymore right and that's a that's a big theme throughout the show that i really love that all might had to to reckon a lot with um and yeah, Deku just kind of kind of destroys himself. Uh, I, uh, there's a, a joke at one point talk about uh, this the big fight this season um, when uh, Class One A eventually finds him in the wild and kind of saves him. Uh, that moment where he's kind of facing them and they're yelling at him of like come back in the manga uh, Bakugo calls out it looks like you're even drawn differently nowadays and I wish that was also a moment but I know the the anime doesn't like to be as fourth wall breaking as as the manga is but Mike let's talk about I think the highlight of the of the season class 1a versus Deku oh man they had to come yeah he needed to be grounded again right like we've seen the whole part of this second half of the season was this badass like we're underground because we got the the one through three and mm. all might we're making phone calls to Deku we're in these badass black cars we're finding Deku for a quick one we dap up he goes right in life yeah Deku's lost it he's mm. going wild because he's also on a timetable right yeah. we know that like he's got two months and he needs to make the most of it ASAP before he gets back on his feet right mm-hmm. and so you can see he's getting pushed past to the brink and the coolest part was Class 1A all gets their letters, and they're like, no, F that. Like, that's my dude. That's my classmate. We're not going to let him go out Bakugo even calling out of, like, you guys made the worst-case scenario of All Might and Deku (laughs) working together. They're crazy. Like, they don't – they're going to destroy themselves, and that's not what we need. And, you know, it it goes back to uh, Eraserhead telling All Might, like, just be here. You know, like, don't don't put all of this on your shoulders. 
you just being here inspires people. Um, but yeah, then we get this. And every single one of them had a moment. Yeah. Every kid had a moment where they all got to say something to Deku. They all said, hey, this is how you inspired me, mm -hmm. or this is us together, and then the finale. Like and you, said. and I remember when, uh, for the first half of season six, when Bakugo has his, you know, I had no thoughts in my mind, my body just moved on its own, you're like, that's that's the whole character development here. Yeah. But he still had a little bit more to He's do. got more. He's got, got more. Bakugo apology, man. Yeah. What'd you think about this moment? That was special. Yeah. That was really special. Uh, I mean, all of it was really special. My... My favorite part is seeing Bakugo continue to grow. Mm. I don't like the new name. You know what I mean? Uh, Whatever. Explosion Master Master Dude Jabroni. I don't know what it'll it's... eventually just be dynamite. Because uh, that's that's <laughs> essentially just his fanboy version of All Might, you know? But like each and every one of them having the moments. And of course we know Bakugo is special. Yeah. Right? Bakugo and Deku have that connection that needs to be shown. And Bakugo's growth is important to Deku yeah. to say, hey, you're growing, but I'm also growing. Yeah. And like, I need you here, big dog. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, uh, that entire episode, I've watched it three times at this point, And every time I've bawled, uh, just with the whole reflection of how Deku and the, the crew that they had in the middle of season three who went to go save Bakugo in the middle of the All Might versus All for One fight. And Deku knew at the time Bakugo won't reach out to my hand, but you know who will? Kirishima, because he knows that Kirishima has been by Bakugo's side the entire time. Yes. And you have that reflected back here where Bakugo knows when he's like doing the huge blast to get them like almost enough speed. And Bakugo, even in that moment, is like, I have a lot to say to you but I'm not the person to grab your hand right now. Here it now. comes. And we get My our guy. boy back, Ida, class rep. Finally. Getting Finally. to hold his hand out and also him being like, you know, you've always pushed me and I've always wanted to like kind of be right at your side. And to him all finally have that moment where he gets to speed past Deku a little bit, yeah. who was showcased earlier in the season being faster than a speeding bullet and uh, him being able to catch up and show Deku, we are ready to be by your side, which yeah. is what the entire story is about of not putting everything on your shoulders and finding, you know, uh, the typical, you know, uh, my friends are my power kind of stuff. Yeah. That was my favorite moment right there was yeah. Ida finally getting his moment, right. Yeah. Of like getting out there and getting a hold because a lot of these characters kind of get lost in the background, right? Yeah. We think of the big three. You think of Todoroki, you think of Midoriya, you think of Bakugo. Mm -hmm. But, like, there's so much more. Yeah. And, like, Ida didn't get much since the Stain fight, right? right? Like, that was his moment. And mm -hmm. then past that, we've had a whole lot of other things going on, a lot of other characters. And to have him shine like that really was something special to me. I really needed that one because it brought it all back. And, of course, they crash land into Kirishima, which was awesome, right? And then the moment of, like, we need to be together. You need to come back home and rest. Mm -hmm. And then to go back and have Araraka give the big speech. Yep. Right? Like, that was a big deal. That like, was very special. She's going to win them over. Shout out to the, the, the character who kind of brings the crowd together. Yeah. Uh, the, the guy with, the, like, the weird head-looking thing. From the thing. first episode. Very, from the very first yes. episode. Who's uh -huh. like, you're a fanboy, huh? Yeah. Uh, I love that it's him that, like, brings the kind of just regular people together to be like, hey, man, like, the, the the stage is destroyed and like the people the heroes who are still here are the actual heroes yeah like, so many people have retired like oh we got God. we got the the callback to the what is it death arms like the very first hero yeah. we ever see in the show right um who also like retires because he's like dude like one yelling voice that's negative out like 
that like, was a wild takes comment. over like Beautiful. ten nice compliments. And again, this is like not exactly one to one in the anime, but in the manga, the way it's paneled, it's very reflective of the Spider Man No More uh, manga, where or, uh, the comic where you know you see the uh, costume like in the the garbage while he's walking away, and it's just like that heartbreaking like. Fuck man, like people are really just like mm-hmm. quitting. Right oh now. my god, they're um, quitting because it's a bad spot to be in, right? Yep. People are dying. Yeah, heroes aren't as strong as they used to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is time for the next generation to see that happen throughout the whole second half was something special. And then, yeah, the, let's get to the final, final part. All uh, might and stain. We get the message, and oh man, when I saw stain, I was like, I got up out of my seat. Yeah, because it's like, oh snap, we know. What Stain is capable of. We know what Stain's message is. Did you have is. any fear with, like, you know, the tease of Stain being in, I think, a couple episodes Pretty earlier. early on. Oh, and I was Knowing that the whole he was time. following All Might, yeah. like, what was, what was your thought there? See, my thought was Deku and him are going to clash, right? Because mm. Deku is on the hunt. He's grabbing anybody he sees. And I was just waiting for the moment of, like, oh, we're going to get a Stain part two here. Yeah. Here we go. But no, I was very pleasantly surprised with what we saw. That was a really... Touching and great moment right there from Stan. And it was a great payoff, right? Because that's something that gets lost in the the show a little bit. I think on purpose because I think it reflects a little bit of like the public reception of Stan because they're all like, well, yeah, he was part of the League of Villains and he, you know, he he was running with Shigaraki. That's not really the case. He like also doesn't really fuck with villains when he was escaping out of Tartarus. He was killing people and he was yeah. like, no, you don't get to escape and go like, you know, uh, 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 kidnap girls and all this stuff. Like, no, dude, I'm not letting you uh, get out of here. Uh, he is very much of the he has a very extreme uh, approach to trying to make a stronger society and like. What we're seeing now in Japan of these heroes who are false heroes and are quitting and the people who are so around, are this is Stain's reality fully realized. I don't know if this is exactly how he would have uh, gotten everybody here, but hey, they're here. And I love that, you know, it wasn't him being like, oh, you failed us all, my, you're not a true hero, I'm going to kill you. It was a, you know, hey, snap the fuck out of it, dude. You know, you bring a smile no matter what is in your face, and that's what people need right now, even if your flame is a little bit smaller right now, that will trigger into future flames getting brighter and brighter, and you see that beautiful image of Class 1A yes. like kind of popping up oh. uh, throughout the, the uh, stars. It's fucking awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. The stain part was super awesome. And then the final <clears throat> cliffhanger of like, oh, we got the inside information. Mm, yeah. We got three days. Yeah, it's like, oh, three shit. days. Okay, we got three days. Oh god, yeah. that's not good. And uh, I, I liked how the this information was rolled out uh, naturally in the manga when you're only getting little pieces of each episode comparatively. It was like a one one issue was like, oh, we've got like a month, and then the next issue was like, oh, never mind, we have three days. It was like, what the hell? It was like whiplash. And I think it was a little bit uh, better paced out, at least uh, information giving uh, yeah. in the finale here of like, no, that was just the expectation. But because of this weird communication through sound waves or whatever, we know that he really only needs three days left. But at the same time, we've got America's number one hero, Star and Stripe on we the got, way. We got the world coming. Because yeah. remember, they, they were like, yo, there's a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of politics. People can't be sent. And then, you know, the best part was our hero said that they would come. Okay, we're, we're proving our hero. Our hero's already there. She's already on the move. And oh, well, I don't know man. if I don't know if the other countries did approve their heroes. You don't think so? Oh, okay. I took it as like they're coming. Oh, coming. so I took it as like no, the bureaucracy is getting in the way of everybody. Oh, and then no. America was just like, 
Yeah, our number one just didn't care, and she's gone. She's and, and and she's coming. So oh, you know. on the blackbirds just fucking flying. Yeah. That was so cool. And then uh, to wrap it up, we got a, an original scene, not from the manga, of Deku waking up from a nightmare. Uh, and I think it was a, a really good wrap-up scene to kind of uh, showcase like what the season, what the show is about of being with your friends, not putting everything on your shoulders. Uh, really cool stuff. Uh, also little bits of information that I think was adapted well in the anime uh, when Jiro was uh, talking about, like, you know, remember when we did the whole school festival thing and there's a lot of people who were doubting us? Let's do something, like, when we do this all-out fight again, let's show them again. Oh. Like, very similar, not one-to-one, but very similar of, like, let's prove to the world that we can bring a smile to their face. I really love. I was love worried they were going to do another band thing. <laughs> I was like, don't do another band I don't want to talk to you about the band thing because that arc is fucking thing. awesome, whatever. But <laughs> in the manga, the way it was like uh, uh, translated, it felt like, are we doing another school festival? That's how it felt. <laughs> I, I think the way it's worded in the anime is okay. much better. Where okay. it's like, she's not saying, let's get the band back together. Yeah, she's yeah. like, remember this thing we did? <laughs> we're about to go fight this big bad Let's do something similar and like prove that, that like, like we that. can, you know, we can bring people uh, 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 joy. Uh, and with that, yeah, that was season six. Oh. Season seven, the story to be continued. And this is interesting because, you know, Horikoshi, the mangaka, has been trying to wrap up the story for the last year and a half. He originally said earlier last year that he was trying to end the manga at the end of last year. Obviously, didn't stick with that. A lot of breaks being taken in between uh, some, some issues. And so it's hard to tell how close the manga is to the end. And where I'm standing right now is maybe season seven is the last season. Should be. It should uh, be. And, and again, it's, it's weird right now with the manga and how much the anime has, to, uh, has left to adapt. I can see at the end of the day them having like a season and a half left. But I don't know how you do it. Like maybe they do an attack on Titan like season seven part one. And it's like a little bit longer than, than a typical first half of the season. And then a season seven part two. Take a little bit of a break and like wrap it up. Because... I don't, I don't see how you do it in one normal 25-episode season. And I don't think that there's enough for an eighth season. So it, it'll yeah. be interesting to see how they roll this out. Yeah, I don't want to get into, like, quote-unquote filler territory where it's just a bunch of backstory filler stuff, right? Yeah. But, like, if I mean, feel, there could be filler in the sense of filling out a lot of fights that are happening mm -hmm. in this last But, yeah, arc. where I'm at right now, this is the end, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how I finished the first half of season seven of like, you can't go past here. This yeah. is the apex of where we're going. Mm -hmm. You got me back in on this second half of the season. I believe now, yeah. like if you were to give me more, this should be the apex. This should be the climax of we're going to work our way up to the season to give you the very baddest. And I'm going to end it. Right. Because if you gave me more, I'd be like, that's not what I want. I sure. I want more playing in the sandbox, vigilantes, yeah. whatever stories, but like, this is it right here. We'll get vigilantes as an anime one day. I, oh, I, I assume so. the That'd day that the fi the final episode of My Hero comes out, they'll announce like, hey, we're doing vigilantes oh, too. Dark Shadow, I want to see. I want to see Bakugo on his own. Like, mm, give me those I don't know if we'll get all, all of that. We'll own. get vigilantes adapted yeah, into it. Get anime. off by their own. Make some new stuff. Uh, to uh, wrap it all, well, just really quick, I just want to, you know, to bring back the kind of funny scale. I would give this entire season a five out of five amazing. I do think that this is one of the best, if not the best season of My Hero, the way that they brought back a lot of things that were set up in season two and three and other things that were set up in season four and five. And it, it really does feel like a culmination. I do understand if like, you felt like this was them wrapping up the yeah, story. Yeah. And I think it's because there's a lot of payoff right now. So when we get to the final stuff, we can just focus on like evil versus good. 
you know? And so, uh, yeah, I, I just, a lot of the callbacks, a lot of the emotional gut punches. I, 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 the fact that the war in the first half of the season was not the highlight of the season is insane to me, right? Same. The fact that it is Deku versus uh, Class 1A, which I, I knew secretly. I was withholding that from you. Like, I knew that was going to be the true highlight of the season. But, yeah, still, it, it was Truly fantastic, Mike. Fantastic. It was, for me, my favorite season of My Hero. Wow. It had everything that I wanted. High-octane action, awesome story, big payoffs. Like, mm-hmm. it was everything. And so, yeah, I, I am truly blown away of where you put me on the first half, where you put me on the second half. Cannot wait for more. Now, Mike... Before we get to ads, really quick. Yes. Again, this isn't a big, like, let's talk deeply about One Piece. But where is the One Piece, our segment, where we just kind of give an update? Mike and I love One Piece. Yes. It's a very long show, though. So this is just something to keep us honest and uh, upfront about how much progress we've made in the anime that is One Piece. Last episode, I was on episode 61, and you were roughly on episode 275. Yep. Mike, I will tell you right now, I'm now on episode 86. So it's been a little bit slow going okay, okay. since, uh, little since slow. we were last That's together. Fine. But I finally met Chopper. Uh, I'm in the, the the kind of ending arc of uh, introducing Chopper as oh. uh, one of the crew. Oh, with um, the doc. And, oh. Yeah, and I, I, I love, again, just love it all. Uh, so that, that's where I'm at right now. Mike, where are you at? I am about to pass another century mark. I am at 299 Woo! as Water 7 and Ennis Nobby start to hit a conclusion. And man, oh man, CP9, these bad dudes are real bad. Barrett and the crew, this is hands down. I see why people say this is some of the best One Piece because the crew is now showing up and they're having their One Piece moment where or their My Hero moment where mm. every single person on this crew is fighting. Every single person is showing that they are a bad dude. All, right all, all of the uh, introductions to all these characters paying off and paying off. I'm awesome. loving this moment right now. Of course, we're going mm-hmm. off to save a special someone in Robin. And it, man, Baron, I'll tell you what. Water seven. This is this is good. Well, with the pace, good. well, with the pace that I'm going right now, I can't wait to get there in five years, Mike. <laughs> uh, everybody, this is typically where the show would end, but mm. not today. To wrap up. This episode of Kinda Anime, we have a very special guest joining us. You might know him as the voice of Denji from Chainsaw Man. It is Ryan Colt Levy, who we will be talking to right after a word from our sponsors. Shout out to Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode. We all love gobbling up content and we have an understanding of what subscriptions we use. Or do we? Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual total is closer to $200. That's right, you, you, you out there. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions you don't even know about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending and it helps you lower your bills all in one place. Rocket Money has saved some of us here at Kind of Funny a ton of money and it can help you too. Stop throwing away your money. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to Rocket rocketmoney.com slash kind of funny that's rocketmoney.com slash kind of funny r-o-c-k-e-t-m-o-n-e-y.com slash kind of funny another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the show, everybody. Ryan Colt-Levy. You might know him as Denji from Chainsaw Man, Rhodey from My Hero Academia World, Heroes Mission, and a bunch of other amazing things that he lends his amazing voice to. Ryan, how are you doing today? I am freaking great, man. To be to be with you beautiful boys, are you kidding oh, me? This, this is an homie. extra special day. Gosh darn it. <laughs> so kind. Well, thank no, you so I much am, for... I am... Sorry, I'm go ahead. Cut you off. No, I'm going to cut you off just because I'm extra honored <laughs> to be here. Because No, because I love the whole kind of funny crew. I've loved you guys. You guys like legitimately... The whole the whole team, like I found you guys in like the thick of the pandemic, maybe a little bit even beforehand. And okay. you guys like kept me sane through a lot of the pandemic. So I really, really appreciate it. And it's really cool to be here with y'all. Well, it's uh, I, I, we want to say we're honored to have you here with uh, uh, with how busy you've been with all of the you know the uh con cycles that you've been going through um and yeah i I do remember uh first becoming aware of you i remember when my hero world heroes mission had first come out and uh i'd seen the movie didn't really know who you were uh uh, but i had remembered that i had enjoyed uh roadie as a character and i remember uh uh, uh, andy was telling us of like oh yeah that's uh that's someone who watches us uh ryan colevy i was like oh that's cool (laughs) and then you know, and then a, a couple of years later, pass. It's like boom, Chainsaw Man. Boom, Ryan Colt Levy. He's back, and he's coming in with a vengeance, playing this uh, this horny boy with uh, chainsaws coming out of his uh, coming out of his body. Um, of course, like let's get right into it, right? Chainsaw yeah. Man season one blowing up, kind of blown up, like even past like the I would say like the the typical uh, anime crowd where I'm I'm seeing people who don't typically watch anime are like, what, what's the show all about? What has it been like being the protagonist of arguably the biggest anime in the past year? What is that? What has that been like for for your past year essentially? I mean, surreal is an understatement. I. Uh... In so many ways, it is like a legitimate dream come true because I am one of those people who actually found the manga in 2020. I um, I literally, I hadn't read many, you know, in recent years and I kind of, even watching anime, like I loved My Hero, there were a few things that I, were, you know, was keeping up on, but I was... I was kind of just losing my mind like we all were at that point. You know, I was living by myself. I was locked away. None of us could see each other. I had, you know, I was, I was, you know, doing work from home in a smaller apartment, you know. Um, and then one day I saw the cover of this thing and was like, this is pretty gnarly. And uh, I, you know, I opened it up and instantly was like, it changed my life. It saved my life in a lot of ways. And I, um, I remember just like, at the point that I had found it, I want to say all 11 books were already released or at least, you know, like I, I finished it and then was able to like fully read through all of what they call part one now um, okay. multiple times. And so I just be, like became addicted to it. I thought it was such an incredibly weird and bizarre and dense and funny and sad. It had everything. And it was so like art house and punk rock and... I remember thinking, like, they're going to make a show out of this. It's too cool. 
would be so awesome to get to read for Denji. Like, that's the dream goal. I never thought I actually would get to. So getting to play him has been both a personal dream come true and also just an experience. Like, seeing MAPPA animate it the way they have, it being so beautifully treated, the music, everything, and knowing that they're giving it, you know, like, we've barely gotten started as far as how the anime is, you know, laying out the story, and it's so cool to be able to not only see all of the people who were already fans of it be really excited about it, but so many new people are coming in. I mean, it feels like weekly, and now getting to in so many ways be like, you know, uh, like a representative of the thing. You know, I'm just, I'm so grateful to be able to just literally go be able to geek out with people all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's interesting there of like, it's something you discover early in the, or sometime in the, the pandemic. Uh, it's keeping you a little bit sane. You're thinking to yourself, like, oh, it would be great to, to read as Denji, at least give my shot. Is that something like af right after you're uh, putting it down and you're thinking about this in the back of your head? Are you calling any line that you have about like how do I how do I get it, uh, this in? Is there are, are there already conversations happening with the, this as an anime? Like what was that process for you? If you can talk about it in in any sense, yeah, of like yeah. the, the journey in becoming Denji. So what's funny about that um, is normally I never do that stuff. Normally, like I mean, in general, like being an actor and and you know especially a voice actor, I feel like. We're just, we're happy to just be able to audition for anything. We're happy to just, like, work and, and you know, like, you kind of just figure it out as you go. And I've never been the kind of person to expect anything. Um, so when this was announced to be an anime, it was still probably a year and a half or almost two years out from even actually being adapted like 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 officially out like but they were just teasing it for a really long time they're like it's in production so i remember the second i knew it was officially in production i wrote an email to my agents to my voiceover agents who i, I at this point had you know been with for two years had developed a good relationship with like never asked them for anything or of anything like this so i felt like okay here's at least it doesn't feel like a big ask you know and it's more of, it was more of a, like, it was very general. It was like, hey, I don't know when this is going to actually come out. I don't know how far along they're even in production. I don't know when auditions will happen. I don't know where it's going to be done. I just know it's happening, and I just want to put it on your radar. This is what it's called. Here's the teaser that they just dropped, like, on YouTube. I know it sounds crazy, but, like, I just want to get a chance to read for this thing. And they were just like, yeah, sure, like, cool, okay, whatever. And I was like, oh, great, okay, sweet, thanks. And I, like, didn't ask for anything else. And then, um, and I was still going to personally keep my eye on it anyway. You know, I was going right. to, you know, try and figure out whatever I could. But I also really just kind of was so excited that it was happening that I'm like, either way, I'm just content it's a real thing. And then, uh, sorry, there's a big old plane going over. I don't know if you guys can hear that. <laughs> This is oh, a yeah, thing a when recording bit, from right. home. It's all right. Yeah, well, the kids understand. We've been doing this type of setup for for years, so they get it. Well, and when we do voiceover sessions, I I do it in the room next door, and like we have to break for planes. It's really funny in between <laughs> takes. 
So it, yeah, even with like the the soundproofing, I imagine like that whole like I imagine There's a tiny little so bunker you it, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I uh, so I I told my agents, and then you know it kind of just time went by, and little bits of info would come out, and I would just continue to like touch base with them, and be like just just you know reminding you it's this is a thing you know that I want to read for, and then. Um, there was a, a period where I didn't even think I was going to get the chance to read for it because I just assumed, you know what, they're going to give this to already well-established bigger names. They're going to keep it in Texas. They're going to do whatever it is. They're like they're going to want to like control this thing, you know, because it's going to be such a big thing. And I didn't think that they would want to, you know, give someone like me a shot like that. You know, even though I'd been treated really well by by you know the Crunchyroll folks, I just. I didn't see myself in that way, you know, um, but I knew that I loved Denji deeply and I loved that story deeply and I just wanted to be able to give to it. And um, one day, it was in uh, August, um, I was actually at a different convention. It was uh, the Crunchyroll convention that they had and uh, over in California, in a different part of California. And... Um, <laughs> and uh, they had a panel they had a like where mappa the the like animation studio they were doing a whole presentation they flew in a few of the creators from japan and they were just talking essentially about like you know what the season was going to be it, this was two months away from it like you know officially starting to come out so oh, wow. i was convinced it was already fully cast all of that stuff and that same day i get an email and that's the auditions going out oh, for wow. the show. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh my God, it's real. And, uh, <laughs> and that was, that was, you know, I was like, well, here's my chance. And is that usually like a, that type of a, of a turnaround and finding a, finding a cast? Like, or was that, uh, was that something Can a be, little bit? It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of the time, um, it depends on, a lot of different elements as to, you know, when the show's supposed to air, or how close they want certain things to air from the sub and the dub and all that kind of stuff. And this one, they just, they wanted everything to be, you know, fresh and ready. And um, I just had already thought they'd been working on it. You know, I was just convinced it was already way out of my grasp. And so when I read for it, um, you know, I did my thing and then I sent it in and two weeks later I got what they call a callback, which is basically like a second round of auditions for Denji. And I knew, you know, one, while I was like, well, this means I'm close. It also meant like, this is probably going to like 200 other people, you know, out of mm. like 2000, you know, that were read the first yeah. round or whatever, you know? So I, I wasn't like, it's me and one other person, you know, like <laughs> I still didn't think it was realistic. So I, um, I send in, you know, my next thing and Maybe a week or two later, I got a, a text message from the voice director, uh, who's a friend of mine. His name's Mike. We'd worked on Attack on Titan together. And so he was like, hey, man, do you have a second to talk? I'm like, yeah, sure. And instantly my phone rings. I'm like, that's weird. And oh, yeah. he told me he was directing it. And I'm freaking out. And I'm like, that's really cool. you know. And I'm like not processing why he's telling me this yeah, thing why that this I should conversation know. You know yeah, because like, that should be a secret. <laughs> And slowly but surely, my chest is getting tighter, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, hold on, what's happening?" And he, and I think he could sense that I was also like 
slowly like you know putting this together so he's like roping me along like oh yeah you know it's gonna be awesome and blah 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 and and then he finally tells me that i'm gonna be denji and like my brain explodes and (laughs) i couldn't i it took me like until we were recording it i didn't even like i couldn't believe it it was crazy that's that's awesome to hear. I I, I love uh, hearing that story. And yeah, as uh, a, a very short-lived actor, I definitely know the uh, kind of uh, that that push and pull, and just like the trying not to hope. But then you know, when it, the moment comes, you're like, is this the moment? And it, it's great to hear like how that all worked out for you, uh, even with the the whole roller coaster and the the, the twists and turns there, oh, um, dude. Especially because most of the time it doesn't for any of us. <laughs> you right. Know, like, exactly. Yeah. No matter uh, what. Yeah, like uh, like you're saying, like even in that like callback second round, like it still feels like a one in a million shot, and so it's oh it's, yeah, it's it, that's awesome to hear. And so uh, I want to throw it over to to Mike in just a second. But the last uh, question hey, I have for you, <laughs> hey, buddy. The, hey, I'm ready. I'm here. I'm having yeah. fun. <laughs> uh, in the in the chain in like in that auditioning process, is that. Like, how early did, would you say did you find the voice of Denji that we hear in season one? Is that something that you're coming to, coming up with since you had uh, started the reading the manga? Is that something you had an idea for even before it's officially announced? Like, you're kind of thinking of ideas of like, how would I do this if I'm if this is a realistic goal one day? Like, how would I uh, try to give life to this character on on screen? Like, what was that process like in finding Denji's voice? Uh. So yeah, it was very much like I I felt like I I always heard his voice in my head. I mean, I'm not really in either way stretching too far from what my natural sound is because I never believe in like putting on a voice. Like if if something comes from a character that needs a little bit of a, you know, a flavor or something like I'll grow with it from there and and mm-hmm. play with that. But like I really tried to not think of any characters as like you know, creating this, like, you know, persona. I want it to be as genuine to what they need. And, you know, he's a real boy, you know, like, so, you know, all the other stuff that happens, you know, but he's he's a real kid. And I think more about his personality and his energy and a lot of, um, a lot of it is also changing. You know, like, I knew in my mind that it would change throughout even just the first season, like I think when you first meet him in the first episode, he's much more, um, you know, he's softer spoken. He's not as like brash. He's much more like, I, I, I call it kind of like a crumpled piece of paper. You know, he's like, mm. he's scooped out emotionally, literally physically missing very vital parts of his body. You know, he is at his most kind of, while he is resilient and all this stuff, he's also at his most, you know, uh, low and broken and just kind of just feral and surviving, but not in a not in a way that is like super uplifting. He's always kind of like aching for the next day and hopeful, you know, that maybe he'll wake up tomorrow and maybe it might get better, you know. Um, and then you cut to him becoming this kind of weird newborn animal experiencing the world for the first time, you know. So it's it's fun exploring him becoming more sharp and brash and confident and curious and, you know, watch him make mistakes and be goofy and, and, you know, explore what it is to be human for the first time as a teenager. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really fascinating. 
Yeah, like he doesn't get that, you know, the the ad- normal adolescent life. You know, he's kind of thrown into a quote unquote more normal uh, opportunity of of living uh, deep in. So uh, that's really cool. One last thing um, uh, b- before I give you, uh, finally give you some mic over here, who I know is, uh, also has a lot of questions here. Uh, with uh, a- again with the, the the voice of Denji, uh, because you're reading the manga, and and I know like I, I see you tweet out when uh, new issues are coming out and you're reading along. Uh, does anything like in the future, like did anything from the future kind of help you kind of figure out what the the branching path of uh, of Denji's performance is uh, uh, throughout the first season? Oh, for sure. There's stuff. I mean, like I definitely am very nerdy about it, you know, and very protective of what I think is you know something really special. And I also know how important it is to like I'm you know I look at myself just as a fan of it so like I look at everybody else as a, you know who is a fan of it and we all feel that same love and you know adoration to the whole to every part of what makes it special right so um I wanted to it's like a responsibility to make sure that that stays there you know as much as we can preserve it and thankfully um, you know, on our end, you know, our, our director, Mike, and our adapter, Jessica, and, you know, our engineer, Manny, like, everybody who's, like, working on it on the other side of things, as well as every actor, like, everyone really cares and is giving it, you know, the they're doing their homework, you know, Mike is trusting me with, you know, if I, you know, if we do a take or something and there's something I want to try or I want to switch a wording or if I want to phrase something differently, it's because he knows I either think it feels more or less like Denji or this or that or whatever, you know, it's, it's a really cool support system that we've all created. And I trust them to, you know, lead me in the right direction as well. And it's, it's really cool to be a part of something that everyone cares about so much. Um, yeah, it's important to definitely, yeah, 100%. And that definitely, like, you know, that's important to, to have that family to, to grow and, and uh, form trust with and, and bringing these characters uh, kind of into a new uh, dimension of life. Uh, I know, uh, so I've been asking so many questions. I know Mike you has another mil- You're doing so good. I thank mean, you, I thank just, you. Really, on the side note, I just love hearing... I, I miss and I love seeing Ryan. He's got this warmth about him. I'm going to oh, give him dude. all of his flowers. But I yeah. love hearing Ryan talk about Denji and the character and, like, talk about the themes and the characteristics of the character. And I'm like, man, he's just nailing it. Like, this is how I felt when I'm watching. And then it occurs to me, I'm like, oh, wait, Ryan is Denji. Like, that is the whole point of this. <laughs> and it's so special because it's so much fun. You do a great job talking about it. And, yeah, there's something special about you, Ryan. You know, I've been blessed to have you a part of my life and get to know you and oh, to feel the warmth and the love and attention and the detail you put into your work. Uh, you know, everyone, you got a good one out there. You know what I mean? You got a very special guy that takes this seriously. And it's just like, it's awesome to know that there's a good guy out there just doing awesome work. So uh, I'm so happy to be You're here, Ryan. Make me I'm happy cry, to have you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got to give you the flowers early because then we'll talk about the fun with me in just a little bit. I love you, buddy. I really do. Thank yeah, I, I love, uh, you know, uh, you guys got to hang out, I believe, at a convention um, that I oh my was unfortunately busy that weekend. We were all over the city. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, sad man. you weren't there. We had, we had a total bromance. I got, I got treated. I got the best ice cream I've had in years. It was, yeah, it was real special. That, and that's that's the uh, you know that's the expertise of Mike always showing people around uh, uh, having a great time. We got to get you back to San Francisco a hundred percent. Oh, dude! And when you guys come studio, to LA, you know, 
oh yeah 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 uh, you know uh, i mean la is really sprawling and exhausting you know but eventually we'll make our, our way down to uh to la you know um so hold on, I'm, I'm going back to my stuff because I, I think Mike maybe want to hold off on some of the the convention talk. Um, my uh, so kind of bringing it back right before yeah. the, the 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 saga of Chainsaw Man and uh, what we uh, hope to see the the continued saga of uh, you uh, performing is is Denji in the future. Um, was the dream always voice acting? What like? No. How did you like <laughs> what like what brought you into this field? Like was it always like and you know voice acting is also like a a, a sprawling field in and of itself. Uh, you know there's uh, commercial work. There's different types of animation. Then there's anime. Like when you got thrown into this industry, was it was it always anime? Was it video games? Like what what is your journey uh, kind of entering into the scene? It's a weird one, man. So I. Uh... <laughs> I started, I mean, I'll try and, I'll try and quantize this whole thing. Cause like in so many ways it started when I was like, you know, a very, very, very small child. Um, we're talking single digits, you know, I grew up in a family that raised, you know, we, we are, our, our like love language was film. You know, we just kind of grew up, we all watched movies together I was just obsessed from black and white films all the way to whatever was going on. You know, I was born in 87, so, like, for me, especially the movies of the 90s, like, so much of that was, like, magic to me. And I used to be obsessed with the making of documentaries, you know, anything that I could get that was, like, movie making in any capacity. I would take, like, my uh, parents, like, camcorder, and I would take action figures or dinosaurs or, you know, whatever. And I would, I would film movies, you know, and then I would do plays in, in school and I would get together with friends and we would, you know, write stuff and film. Like I was always, I always wanted to be an actor or a director or something like that. But that was growing up in New York and a completely different time where the internet wasn't even a thing yet at first. And then when it was, it wasn't what it is now in any capacity. So like, Figuring out how to go from acting is super fun and I love being creative to like actually figuring out how to make it a career was way more daunting to me as a little kid in New York who didn't have anybody who was even remotely in the industry. We just loved movies. You know, we loved storytelling and stuff like that. Um, And then I vividly remember one day being at a friend's house. I was probably like 10, 11 years old. And I saw, uh, we were like flipping through the channels and I saw a music video for uh, one of Green Day's music videos. And I saw, just for whatever reason. Okay, I know you're a huge music guy as well. You got to tell me, which, which Green Day music video, if you remember? Oh, it was Basket Case. Okay, all right, all right. Because it was such a weird, the colors were crazy. I remember just being this bizarre thing. But for whatever reason, it suddenly made me realize like, oh, that's a job. You know, like, there was like, oh, you can, you know what I mean? Like, like, kid brain, so funny how that stuff works, you know? So it like, it was like one of those like, shoom, you know, and yeah, so. Yeah, it's no longer part of a different universe, you know? You, you realize you live in the same world as that. Yeah, and I was like, oh, you can do, like, I could, like, I, it was like, you know, the, you know, the gif of like the, the woman looking at the math equation, you know? And, like, Putting I was like, oh, I could, yeah, like, I realized <laughs> The way that I couldn't understand how to do, how to find the path as an actor at that point, I could suddenly see like, oh, wait, if I learn how to play guitar, 
I can figure out how to write a song. And if I make this friend play bass and this friend play drums, like we could start a band. And then like, it, it just, I saw, you know, it made sense. I saw a path. And I think for me, it was a sense of control, like creative control that I couldn't get otherwise. So suddenly I was like, I'm going to sing and play guitar and I'm just going to figure out how to do that, which is crazy because I'm such a weird, like, for the most part, I'm a very, like, shy kind of internal kid, especially when I was younger, but I loved performing. Whenever I would perform, mm. I could just, I could become a character or I could, you know, be in the song, in the story, you know, and um, so literally started playing music got really serious with it. And then by the time I was 15, I was in like a legitimate band where we were making our own records, like playing shows on the weekends, like like getting ready to do tours and all these kinds of things. And like throughout my teens and all of my 20s, that's what we were doing. And I thought for sure we're, that I was supposed to be a singer and a guitar player and like playing all the big tours and all that kind of stuff. I didn't think I was going to be an actor. And um, so they, yeah, my band, then what, yeah. What, what was the moment where it, it brought you back to the stuff that you were growing up and falling in love with? Me and my band moved to Los Angeles from New York in 2015, and we, uh, you know, the music scene was just kind of shutting down there. So we were like, it's time to finally go to LA. I had always wanted to live here, so mm. we moved out here couple of years go by, I am working multiple different kinds of jobs. We're all just working jobs to survive while being in the band, while playing really cool shows. Like we played with cool bands, we'd play interesting scenarios, we'd get radio play, like we just weren't making money, you know? So <laughs> it was like, you're hemorrhaging money and you're driving right. each other crazy. And it's like, you know, we're best friends. So it was just like a stress bomb. And I was so broke, and, you know, even though I was working two jobs and exhausted and like nothing was was being conducive and helpful to anything. And um, cut to like late 2018, early 2019, the band breaks up. And in the same week, the, one of my main job at the time laid off our entire department. So I was out of a job, out of my career that I had done since I was a teenager and suddenly immediately was like oh i'm supposed to be acting which is the craziest thing you could possibly think of and um literally immediately just like started taking acting classes again went and got headshots done did the whole thing but i didn't think voiceover and meanwhile i'm playing video games i'm watching all this stuff like i'm having a blast getting back into anime but i'm thinking theater and film because mm. you know I want to work with the Coen brothers and Paul Thomas Anderson and, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a film nerd all around and was not, again, like idiot brain, just not thinking about VO is like, oh yeah, that's also the job. And, um, randomly booked some, some like weird little VO gig that was through like, you know, an LA kind of casting website thing and was like, Ooh, I like this. Like you you immediately, because I had done extra work, I had done some on-camera things at that point, like, you know, those days are 15-hour shoot days and you maybe get to play for 20 minutes, you know, it's like, and yeah. you're treated, you know, you're cattle a lot of the time. Um, but I had cool experiences and I was always learning and kind of educating myself, you know, anytime I was on a set, to me it was time to just learn, it wasn't time to, you know, mess around, it was like, here's my chance to 
see how all of this works and this is everything is is school you know so i um book this thing and i, I suddenly i'm like wait when you do a VO gig, if you're booked for two hours, you play for two hours, or you, or you're done early. You know, like you, you, you're there to just hang out and play. Like you don't, you don't wait around all day. It's just right. it is the it is the beautiful part. You know, the part There's I no, love. Like, like waiting up for rigs to get set up for a no, big complicated yeah. shoot or all that stuff. Yeah. Like while I love cinema and all of that as a language, like I've never been like I need the camera to be on me. Like you know I don't give a crap about that. You know what I care about is like I want to play. I want to get mm. into the mud and be a character, and I want to I want to do cool work. You know I want to do stuff that I I'm I want to be proud of and excited about. And um, I just suddenly was like energized by it. And at the same time, I started. Uh, working on this short film that was like a, a live action thing that was just a short with a friend of mine and he's also a voice actor and his dad's a really successful voice actor and they had a friend who was directing it who was also a voice actor so he was like hey um you know this will be this is just like a good you know environment to to work in it's all creative people so we do this thing and the guy who's the director his name is david sobolov he's um i know you guys are on one piece right now he plays a big character later in one piece um, are, are we talking like 400, uh, 400, uh, for us, Ryan. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I'm not saying anything. I'm not going to, I don't, cause I don't even know how far, cause I have, you know, I have not started it. I have to be honest. It's daunting oh. for me. Yeah, I know you're loving it, Mike. So well, I know, I know, I will it. <laughs> have some long flights coming up. Maybe, maybe that's yeah, the there move. you go. Um, <laughs> But I, uh, so David was the director of this thing, and when we finished filming, it was like a few weekends, we had like a real crash course kind of intense thing that we filmed, and when we're done, he was like, you know, you're you're good at this, do you do voiceover? And I was like, well, I don't have a, a reel, and I know that you need a reel to like, you know, send it out to studios and blah, 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 because I want to do it professionally and, and respectfully. And he was like, well, I produce reels, let me give you a friend rate. So instantly he was like, yes, please, and um, you know, so I had like measly acting credits, and I had this reel, and I just started reaching out then to – then intentionally reaching out to all these different studios that I knew were in my kind of general area. And they just happened to be working on anime and games and all this stuff. And um, one of the first things I worked on, period, uh, through that series of initial emails I sent out was Final Fantasy Remake. And um, I got to be a bunch yeah, of like NPCs in your, I in saw that, that in your credits. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. And to me, you know, like, especially, like, like, I still to this day, I'm happy to play the background, guys. I don't need to be the main dude and everything. Like, I, like for me, I'm just happy to work, you, do you know, remember how ma- Do you remember how many uh, uh, background uh, voices you were you were doing in, uh, for Final Fantasy VII Remake? Probably, like, probably, like, anywhere from 10 to 20. Because it's like, you know, you, you oh, have wow. a handful of people in all the different um uh districts and all that kind of stuff you know like one guy's like serving you food and other guys you know talking about this th- it's like you know it's all the random people you bump into throughout and then do the you whole even event. know like uh the like um when you're you're doing that performance uh, well not even what the like who even the models are that you're that you're acting for no for when you're an npc like... you don't get to see the models they kind of give right. you a general like they're around this age and like these are their lines okay. and you kind of just hope that it's gonna work which is the funny part so you know i want to so I, I want to get into the situation of you're you're playing Final Fantasy VII remake for the first time. You kind of like maybe point out like you're able to kind of uh, oh that's me that's me here. Do you have any favorites? Did, do, did you have a favorite amongst all the voices that you did for Final Fantasy VII remake? Oh gosh, 
You know, it's really funny because like I don't remember. I don't remember like specific. Like I remember. I remember some characters. Oh snap! Mm. Hold on. I have to grab my my charger before my my computer stupidly dies on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan, you go do that. Mike over here. I yeah. want us to to, to kind Two of seconds. All right, we can hold yeah, down yeah, the yeah. fort for a second. We're, we're right, gonna cause... hold down the fort. This is a fun time. Yeah. I want I, I want you to set up the this next question. Uh, oh, okay, okay. What, what, what do we got? For, what, what, well, no, what do you what do you, what, do you, what do you like? You're just you're oh, over I'm here. You make me I'm nervous gonna... when you're quiet. I don't know what's going on. Maybe I'm failing. Maybe I'm failing at this this interview. I don't know what's going on here are doing incredible Baird. i am basking <laughs> in this just fun time with you and ryan you are asking all the great care questions you're leading it perfectly bear and i'm just having fun like this is a great time and you're asking all the i'm right glad you're having fun but you're making me nervous with no just, like bro, you're just hanging no, on in the background you're, you're just hanging great, out bro it's so much fun it's so good dude well, we'll I'll, I'll throw it over to you. Uh, or actually, uh, I know we got off track uh, uh, there a little bit. Mm-hmm. So finish my thought for you beforehand. I um don't remember any lines, but what I do remember was specifically going into the session, not knowing was what I was about to work on, mm. and they because they didn't tell me, and I went in. It was under a working title, and they turn on the monitor, and I just see words in the script. I see Cloud, Midgar, all these things, and I'm like. You know, instantly, like, oh my god, like, be cool, you know, internally, like, because I was don't make it obvious that, like, I know exactly what's going on here. (laughs) I was so green and I was so excited. I was like, is it like this all the time? This is crazy. (laughs) So, uh, so from that point on, right? It's it's a little bit of uh, uh, a, you know off to the races with you, getting into the industry, uh, of course, uh, voicing Rhodey in uh, My Hero Academia, doing additional voices and other projects, uh, leading you to uh, Denji and Chainsaw Man. Um, but then when you're not, you know, at home or in the studio, you're kind of, you're going off and having these fun adventures, doing the convention track. And this is where I'm going to tee up Mike to talk to you about the convention oh. track and the way you two fell in love and how that whole, yes. you're you're yes. on like week week. 24 or something like that of going to conventions, all that stuff. So take it away, Mikey. Oh, man. Ryan, congratulations. I mean, all the hard work. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so happy that myself and Barrett got to sit down with you with our audience and just share some time with you because you have an incredible story. I'm so proud of your hard work. Clearly, it's paying off and the do is there. And so it's so awesome. And that's where you and I got to hang out was the conventions. And I thought that was really special, right? Because, of course, I think a big part about this is your hard work. Right. Like it's not always just shaking hands and smiling and celebrating. Uh There's a whole lot of hard work (laughs) to get to that point. And most of the kind of funny best friends know me for the fun side of things. And I like the celebration stuff. So it's easy for you and I to talk conventions. And that's where we'll start off on our journey. Right. Not to disregard or discredit any of your hard work, but we'll focus on the fun stuff. Right. Of like all of that hard work is done. And now we get to have a good time. Let's talk about people showing up. And just like being in your line, I thought that was so special of like looking around Fan Expo and seeing people dressed up as Denji, wearing the full Chainsaws Man outfit, and then coming to see you. How special was that? Dude, so many. It's it's really hard to put into words because I genuinely am so moved. Like anytime anybody comes up to my table and 
like it's crazy because week to week it feels like lines are getting bigger like more people are showing up and it's it's surreal because i never thought i would be in this position like on top of never thinking this career would be mine i was never foolish enough to think about like i'm gonna be going to conventions like that's such a this is such a privileged experience you know and um you specifically though that day because i remember you know we had we had become friends just kind of through like you know uh, uh social media and stuff and just had been talking a little bit but um i remember reaching out to you and i was like let me you know let me get you a ticket for the convention and we kept talking about it and you just kind of like kept like you know swiftly dodging it for whatever reason and i'm wrapping up what is a my hero academia panel with with a few of the other you know castmates in the dub and we're like getting off stage and out of like the the crowd of people in this auditorium walks mike and i'm like what my brain is melting i was like how did you who did, how'd you ninja in here you know and um he's just all smiles and just beautiful energy and you know you you were so incredibly kind and then you you know you just bounced around the con did your thing came back and saw me at my table and oh. It was the kindest thing ever. It made that like, I I was so so moved by that. And then yeah, later that night, you, uh, me and Andy went and got this really great. It was uh, like an Italian oh place. That, that restaurant. Have man, you guys gone back to that on. place? By we the way, not gone back. That's our spot. That's our spot. You and I. But man, oh man, <laughs> we gotta go back. That place rocks. <laughs> Dude, that place was incredible. And then the uh, the ice cream place that, that you took me to afterwards was so, mm -hmm. so fun. The, the crazy flavors and everything. There were so many flavors, it was overwhelming. And I felt like I made the boring, safe choices, even though mm. I, I made, like, what are considered outlandish ones. Yeah, um, it's weird. There's, like, a, a lot of, like, weird, uh, fun San Francisco ice cream places. There's one yeah. uh, in a neighborhood maybe next time we'll take you to where uh, you can spin a wheel. And oh. that's how you decide which flavor you're going to Oh, get see, I like that. I like yeah, being I like kind that. of like led on an adventure instead of having to choose from so many options. Like if it gets weird, I'm like, just screw it. Just leave me. Just take me somewhere special, you know. Let's but yeah, no, we, we had an absolute romance. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, dude, you – you, and then like, I mean, we spent – because, you know, we that was a little drive we had. Like we, we just spent like hours together just hanging out mm -hmm. and talking. And it was this instant thing, you know, where I was like, oh, these guys are, are my brothers now. Yep. And, you know, I my mean, homie. Barrett, you, same energy, dude. You're, you're wonderful. <laughs> I know homie. we're only getting this digital experience right now, but, you <laughs> next know. Next time, next time there's a convention, I'll, I'll, I'll come through. Let's talk oh, about those adventures, though. Just, you know. You've done conventions yeah, all around now. T give me, give me two that really stand out, whether it be the location, the city, the people. What are two that really stand out to you? Like, oh man, Mike, this was a wild time. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly, so like, they're all special for different reasons because one of it is so much of it is just traveling. I never got to do in this capacity anyway, you know, it's so cool to just get to visit different cities, big and small and experience the different kind of energy of the place, the food, the getting good coffee, you know, just getting a sense of the people there. And like, there's an element to... I love going to the really, what you know, like the smaller cities where they don't normally have a ton of big conventions or, you know, a lot of people roll through and there's still just as many fans there, you know, who love this stuff. But like my personal kind of like vibes of a city like Seattle, Portland, um, I loved San Francisco. Um, that was actually my, my first time being there. A lot of these are my first times like really being in the city. I had done some stuff tour-wise, like, you know, with my band, but 
it was so gnarly in punk rock where it was like, go, 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 scramble in the van, play, leave, play, leave, you know? So now I'm like getting days in all these different cities. Chicago blew my mind. The architecture of Chicago is some of the most gorgeous, extraordinary, like, you can just walk through that whole city and your mind is blown. Um, oddly enough, getting to go back to my home city, New York, uh, for Comic-Con, that's really special. Like, that was that was a really, really big deal, getting to share, premiering the first dub episode to an audience of, like, 5,000 people and having my mom be there. And, you know, like, that, yeah, and, like, you know, people calling her Chainsaw Mom and, like, oh, the whole oh. thing just being, yeah, oh, dude, yeah, just absolutely, like, the whole thing is just, like, a fever dream. But, um... I mean, still, like, I'm going to Vegas soon. I'm going to be going overseas to, to England. And, you know, like, it's it's wild. Stuff that I just never thought I'd get to do. And I'm really is an adventure. And the other thing that's cool about it, that next time next time I roll through to a convention, I want to include you in on more, is, like, the beautiful thing is getting to hang out with the other actors who are my peers and friends and people that I don't necessarily get to see very much. So when you're in these cities these weird little bubbles that's your chance to get together with people so you know you'll do group dinners or you do little hangs in the the few hours that you have where you're not all kind of like stuck at your tables and stuff and it's it's really cool to get to you all kind of feel like you're this like weird traveling circus you know and um it's really fun and especially the difference between doing like some are small anime centric conventions and some are bigger you know like comic-con style things where like Suddenly, I'm there talking to heroes of mine that I've grown up watching. You know, I mean, John Cleese was at a convention I was at recently. Like, I got to talk with Sam Raimi. You know, like, I've I've met people that I'm like, these are my heroes. You know, like, it's surreal. You know, I'm sitting in sprinter vans with the cast of Boy Meets World, and we're, you know, talking about our favorite records. And, you know, it's just like, and it's not like, you know, oh my God, like, it's like, we're just people. And it's so surreal to me because I'm like, this, how is this my life? You know, like, this is so bizarre. And it's just incredibly cool to be in this really beautiful, like, laid back, but intimate, weird environment where we all just kind of understand this routine. And it's still very new to me. Like, all of this is so new. So I just, I wake up every day grateful and excited to see what each city has to offer. I love here and I'm so happy. And I want to talk about the routine. <laughs> Because I know with you, you're something special for me of your goal is to go find the dopest coffee shop in whatever city oh, you yeah, go baby. to. And I love and appreciate that, right? Whether it be the cool interior of the shop, the vibe of the shop, or just the coffee itself. But let's talk about that routine. How do you keep the energy going for multiple days, multiple trips, right? Like me and the crew here, of course, we go experience things and everybody comes back and they're like, man, I'm exhausted. How do you keep up the energy? You know, it's a weird thing. I I don't know if part of me is just like I'm just like a weird super freak from being in a band because I think what I you know, like our version of tour in a band, you know, the last one we did was 50 shows in 60 days. We lived out of a van with another band. So there were like 11 of us in one van with a little trailer hitch in the back. Yeah, exactly. And we didn't even stay in motels. Like, most of the time, we would just crash with people after the show, like, random fans and stuff. And we would just all be sleeping on hardwood floors in sleeping bags and shit. So, like, you know, now, like, I'm getting flying out to different cities only on the weekends. You know, I'm staying in a nice hotel. You know, at most, my 
you know, I'm I'm expending my um, emotional and mental energy, you know, because I want every person that I meet at these conventions, every fan, anybody that comes up to the table, any panel I'm doing, like, I want to be as present and, like, give them everything, you know, every hour of each day of those things. And, you know, then you also want to go out and get a cool dinner in the city because, you know, you want to check out some weird restaurant or some part of the town that's just beautiful to be in. And you want to be up early so that you can, you know, walk around a little bit and get the coffee. You know, for me, like, I'm one of those people, the reason it actually energizes me isn't even necessarily the coffee. I feel like that's placebo effect at this point. I just love the taste of good coffee. But for me, there's a sense of if I wake up, you know, let's say the convention's supposed to start at like 10 in the morning. I will wake up intentionally at like 7, get myself together because I'm kind of like a weird cat where I like to be quiet and like communicate with people slowly at first and like give myself a solid hour before I even like externally do anything, you know. So I will wake up a little slowly. I will you know, get myself together and dress and I'll just go out for a walk and like put on a podcast. I mean, sometimes it's you guys, sometimes it's, you know, whatever else I'm listening to. Hell yeah. And, um, you know, I'll have like, I've researched like the nearby coffee shops or whatever, kind of understand, okay, here's the distance. Here's how much time I have until I have to be back to like start engaging with people, you know? And by then I will just be mentally alert, awake and like, that helps me actually be energized for the day. And, you know, then there's like the boring stuff like exercising and, you know, eating healthy. I have like superfood green powders and all that kind of stuff. I try and just like, because I want to be, I don't want to get sick. You know, I want to stay as healthy as I can. And um, it's just, I don't know. It's weird. I definitely, I think it can be exhausting. I can see why people get wiped. You know, this is still new for me. I'm I'm curious by the end of the year, you know, how I will fare. But I was nervous that I'd be more exhausted than I am now. So I feel great. You know, <laughs> I'm so happy hearing that. I, I love talking about the fun and I'm going to kick it over to Barrett right after my final one, because I do want to, I want to get real with you, Ryan, just for a little bit. Let's you get know? real. I, I think Let's do we it. all can go there and we can appreciate that in the podcast. We talk about hard times. We talk about sometimes when you get down or some of your hardest moments in this career is what I really want to know. Ryan, because you and I, we've had nothing but fun, nothing but positive stuff. What are some of the hardest moments for you? Or what was one of the hardest moments you can tell me about? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, one, when the band broke up and I was, you know, I was literally on unemployment at the same time when my, you know, my job shut down. I had very little money, you know, going to my name and I was investing all of it into <laughs> all this stuff into being an actor. I had like some unemployment coming in, but like I was very much looking at like getting jettisoned back to New York, uh, to New York. and um, you know, cut to I finally start figuring out some acting stuff. I'm getting you know measly paychecks where I'm like I'm scraping by just to make rent. You know, food and all that stuff becomes a lot more scroungy. You know, I'm doing you know like just vegetables and fruits and like the cheapest things, you know, like, you know, I'm trying to stay healthy, but I'm also like, I am going super minimal. I'm like ever going out to do anything. Like I'm just like, you know, real just, survival a, yeah, mode. just a crackers, maybe a lunchable here and there, you know, <laughs> even that was like, that was too much, you know, for me, that was like, for me, I was like, you know, maybe the ramen, you know, the instant ramen, but a lot of time it was like, you know, just like fruits, vegetables, nuts, you know, like I would like, 
you know, get the occasional, like, because everything for me was also just, like, survive, survive, survive. I'd get, like, the bag of frozen chicken, you know, like, and I would just, like, you know, like, and I lived in an apartment that was, you know, 600 square feet. It was a garage unit behind a house. It was a studio apartment. It didn't even have a real kitchen. So I had, like, a hot plate on, like, a table, you know, and everything was just survive. And, um... I started getting some work, you know, and I'm like getting my life together. And I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like actually able to pay rent as an actor. It's not glamorous. I'm still just surviving at this place. I can't afford to move to a better place, but I'm making money as an actor. I'm doing this full time. Cut to uh, we have these rainstorms one day. And within two hours, my entire apartment floods and it destroys most of my stuff. So, um, you know, I'm now like, okay, this entire place is ruined. Most of my things are gone. Like things that I've loved half my life, you know, like all kinds of things. Um, but I can't leave here because if I do, everything's done. So that same night, like I had like wet vacked everything out of the place. And like that same night, it's just like cut to me in this, like just four empty walls fans blowing on every wall to try and not let it mold over and just like a cot in the middle of the room and I'm just sleeping in that going like I'm gonna figure out how to make this fucking work and uh two days later I had a car at the time it was parked out on our side street two days later a drunk driver beams down the street and destroys my car like destroys it amongst other things and drives through my neighbor's uh fence so it was, it's, a, this is a whole other adventure. Um, thankfully nobody was hurt, but my car was gone. So like all of this stuff just, I felt like was like, you know, the universe in a way testing me going, how bad do you, do you want this? Do you think you can survive in this craziness? And I just remember laughing at that point and thinking, you know what? Game on, man. Like I'm already in this. What am I going to do? You know, like, is this the worst you got? You know? And, um, just kind of kept going and was just like, you know, I can, I can be feral, you know? And really that was like, like I, you want to talk about feeling like Denji, like, you know, I was, I was at my most Denji, like at that point I was, you know, super toast was the luxury. <laughs> and, uh, and I just remember thinking like, I'm going to figure out how to make this work. I don't know how, but day by day. And, um, Eventually, I carved myself out of that place, but it took a minute, and it was scary for sure. You know, it was really scary. There was no guarantee of anything, you know, and I haven't, you know, I moved out of that place uh, after Chainsaw Man was announced. So, like, it really legitimately, like, I was in there for a minute, you know, and and was finally like, oh, I can leave. I can actually leave, you know. So it was it was hardcore for, for quite a while. That's uh yeah that's a wild ride to hear and it's nice to, you know uh hear the story of you being able to to kind of move past that that part of your life just as Denji moved past the the part of his life where he's you know sleeping in uh trash cans and you know waking up from the dead and <laughs> all of that stuff um Ryan to kind of uh as we're kind of 
clo- winding down here and getting loose and stuff, I, I have a few more questions for you. We've been talking a lot about Chainsaw Man, but I think uh, I also mentioned uh, how I became uh, aware of you was uh, My Hero Academia World's, uh, Hero, uh, World Heroes Mission, where you voiced a yeah. roadie soul, a misfit with a heart of gold, taking odd jobs to support his siblings. Do you see yourself a, a, a lot in Rhodey? I, I know you've made a lot of uh, comparisons to your your journey with Denji here, but the, was there like a big takeaway that you had connecting to Rhodey? And if not, if that's like oh, if yeah. you only see a little bit there, which my hero no, character no, no. do you most resonate with? No, I mean, I, I, that was the crazy thing about Rhodey. I, Rhodey's very special to me, you know, in, in Rhodey is equally as special to me as Denji is. The only thing is I already like was like, I knew who Denji was before, you know, the experience. I didn't know Rhodey cause there, nobody knew who Rhodey was until the movie came out. You know, the, the way it happened, I'll give you a little backstory. Cause like, I genuinely, like, it's funny. I get emotional thinking about him because the whole experience is so special and like, he's so special and the fans of my hero are so, all of it's very special. Um, but I remember I had already watched, you know, the whole show up until that point. The overhaul arc especially to me was like just Yeah, that was just the like first peak, season I think. You know. I think it was the first season where I was like caught up in watching weekly. So yeah, I definitely I was I was oh there God. with you, like watching every week. <laughs> yeah, like the emotions were just extraordinary. And like I knew, you know, I know people in that show and like at that time, like, you know, I knew people doing, you know, doing overhaul and all these people I'm like, this is what like they're killing it. This is so cool, you know? And to me it was like so unattainable, you know. I was just happy to be doing the work I was doing, period, you know. And um, I didn't think that the casting director and voice director, her name's Colleen Clinkenbeard, she also voices Momo in the dub. And uh, she she's amazing. She's amazing. She's also Luffy. Yeah, the legend. Oh, Monkey my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she also voices Luffy. Yeah. Um, I, knew, I knew you'd get excited, Mike. I love uh, that. So <laughs> she's amazing. She's amazing. And, you know... I knew who she was because everybody knows who she is. You know, we all know Colleen, but Colleen doesn't know me. And one day, randomly, I get this email from her. Like, just straight up an email. And I'm like, what the? And it's it's like a very, like, hey, if you're getting this, you're part of a small circle of people that, you know, I'm, I'm like, testing this stuff out on kind of thing. And it was uh, a small batch of auditions for the Meta Liberation uh, characters, like season five. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were a few characters in there that I was like, oh, this is what, like, I just getting the email blew my mind because I was like, this is crazy. One, how does, this must be a mistake. There's no way she knows who I am. Um, I can't believe this is my hero. Oh my is, God. Yeah, is, so is, there a, is there a Ryan Levy that like didn't get emailed, not a uh, Ryan Colt Levy? Any know? of it. Yeah. Like there was like, there's no way. Yeah. Like somebody made a mistake somewhere or somebody like slipped this, you know, and she didn't know this happened. And, um, you know, so I, I look into this thing and it's like, it's like these roles are 10 weeks out from being cast, which is very unusual. Like you asked before, you know, how fast is it? Usually it's within a few weeks that you read, you kind of know, with, with anime specifically, because it's a fast timeline of working on it. Um, but with this, I remember the email vividly said, like, you have 10 weeks, like, play with this before you even have to send it in. Because she's like, I, I'm not even up to, like, hearing these characters yet and, like, kind of figuring out what I want to do with them. So I open it up and it's like, there's, like, you know, five different characters or something to choose from. And I think there were three of them that, to me, I was like, the I, I immediately was like, there's no way she's actually going to cast me. 
So I'm just going to look at this as an audition for auditions. Like, I'm going to look at this as like, I just get to show Colleen what I can do as an actor, hopefully, you know? So I picked the three most different personalities and, um, Getten, the one with the ice powers was the only one who I was like, he's kind of the one that like, I feel like I could, you know, probably like naturally do the, you know, like the, the most like, you know, find a branch from your voice, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that just felt like the most natural thing. And um, so I remember particularly reading for him, like I gave him two different reads a different energy kind of thing, because I didn't quite know what he was going to be like either. And so I send him out literally an hour after I get this email. So she's like, you have 10 weeks. I'm like, (laughs) and uh, yeah, exactly. Because I also knew for me, I was like, like it sitting on my computer was just like, you know, so I was like, get out of here. (laughs) And um, (laughs) yeah, so I send it off and five months go by. So like, I know I didn't get these parts, you know, and I'm like, it's cool. I wasn't expecting to. I'm just happy I got to read from it all. I'll probably never hear from Colleen again. To the day, five months, I get another email from Colleen. And she's like, hey, Ryan, hope everything's doing well, blah, 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 blah. We're working on this new movie for my hero, and there's this character named Rhodey. I think you'd be a really great fit for him. Would you be interested in doing it? What? So my brain is melting. So I instantly am just like... (laughs) Oh my gosh, thank you so much, blah, 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 yeah, Of course I'll do it, you know. And then I look him up, and I'm like, I remember seeing the teaser where, like, you know, I was like, oh, the dude who, like, he jumps and slides down the banister. Like, I remember seeing clips, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's that cool scarecrow-looking dude. Like, I vibe with that energy for sure. And, um, again, this is another thing where I was like, I was so sure that whole movie was already cast and done anyway. Right. So, go figure. And uh, so I go in to look it up the character, and there's, like, very little information because the movie is now there's just the image of him and i'm like okay i love this dude's vibe like his style like already kind of speaks to me you know the patchiness all this stuff and so then my first session i go in and i also didn't know that he was going to be the movie i thought he was going to set up right. the movie you yeah, know that was, so that was like my biggest uh, surprise and takeaway because uh, I, I feel like the the movies usually focus on like class 1a being together right and so that was like yeah. the biggest kind of like whoa like this is this is the rodian deku uh kind of ca- uh, cross-country trip right here you know yeah and i i did not know that until we just kept recording and i was like oh my gosh, this is, oh, okay. You're like, I, I thought I was only going to get like a page of lines. And then you're like, I have the entire script. What's going on here? It was mind blowing. And it like really dawned on me in the sessions. And I got really emotional because I remember also just like immediately the, the connection with his siblings, the, you know, I've had a lot of ups and downs even outside of, now there's a helicopter, uh, outside of, um, you know, Parental stuff, just life stuff, ups and downs, ins and outs. There were, there's a lot of Rhodey's life that also paralleled a lot of my life in, in weird ways. You know, not necessarily 100%, but things that I was like, this is so eerie. And um, even just his personality, his carefree kind of energy, even though he could be serious. And he was just very, like, I love the water off a duck's back. Like, we'll figure it out. Like, there was... There's him. He and Denji have a lot of similarities, but he's like the much smoother version. You know, like he's 
he's got that slick, you know, this kind of vibe going on. You know, he's come he comes from an education where Denji has none, you know, like there's a different energy all around. Just because he was a street kid doesn't mean he started that way, you know, and there's there's so much to that. And he's intuitive, he's sharp, he's really fast, he gets the one up on people that are way more powerful than him. But I remember like my first or second session, I, I told Colleen, like, in the session, I was like, You've given me such a gift because I so deeply identify with this character and I don't understand how you knew. Like I don't know how, like, how do you know me? Like, how do you know me? You know, it was, it was such a deep thing. I was like, I felt so seen and it was so powerful. And like, and she's been so supportive of just everything I've gotten to do ever since. So like, it's, it's really cool. And that whole family, like the, my hero crew, like they're such good people, you know, all of those actors, like among being so incredibly talented, like that was my favorite dub show you know for a long time because i just feel like they are it's such a unique dub cast um and i was just so proud to be a part of it and honored to be a part of it and they were so embracing and then the fans embracing Rhodey as a character because i was extra nervous about that you know the next phase of like okay now when they figure out that this guy's the movie like what's going to happen then and it you know They've been so, so amazing at just, like, adopting him into the family. So I'm I'm just so grateful, and I, I will love him forever. That's awesome to hear. And, yeah, like, uh, looping it back to the convention track, it's been cool to see almost as many roadies uh, dre- uh, dressing oh, up. Dude, it's uh, wild. Yeah, it's really, really it's cool. Wild. The first see. roadie I saw, I, like, legitimately got emotional. Like, it was, yeah, it's surreal. It's surreal. That's awesome. Uh, we're we're wrapping up here, Ryan. So I got a, a, just a, a couple of rapid fire questions for you, really quick. Hit me. If Denji was in a fighting tournament against other shonen protagonists, uh, <laughs> which other shonen protagonist do you think he would have the easiest time against? Oh, that's a good question. Um, that's a really good question. I don't know. Like, I don't know that he'd have super a, a really easy time against any of them because I feel like the thing about Denji is he doesn't think very much when he's fighting. He just <laughs> kind of goes in. He just kind of goes for the fight. And I think everybody else is a lot more, like, prepared and strategized and, like, he's kind of just kind of, like, rip and tear and chaos and figure mm-hmm. it out. So I don't even know that he would even think that far ahead. I think, regardless, he's down to fucking go. Like... It, you know, his his whole M.O. is like, oh, if we're fighting, we're fighting, I guess. You know, like, and, <laughs> like, <laughs> what I love about him is, like, he can literally be dismantled and just keep fighting. And there's just something so fun in that. So just imagining him versus someone like Goku or One Punch Man or someone where they're just <laughs> strength-wise and everything else are just going to obliterate him. But he'll just keep yeah. coming back and screwing their day up you know and if he gets some like the thing is all denji has to do is get in some some good chops in there and you know he can win you know just so, just show that they can bleed a little bit you know yeah i mean all you got to do is get a couple a couple good digs in there but i just think uh his lack of strategy you know he's gotten better at it but i think yeah. it's he's just all yeah he's trained in a little bit you know Gotta, yeah, he's you know, working with on the, it. Yeah, Kishibe's yeah, yeah. on him. Kishibe's on him, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, keeping on the, the Chainsaw Man track, uh, if you could make a contract with any devil in Chainsaw Man, who would it be and why? Oh, I've I've had this answer in the pocket for a long time. And, I mean, it's even a canon character. I haven't met him yet, but they've talked about him. 
Oh, okay. It's the okay. coffee devil. Ooh. It's the coffee devil. Oh, yeah. 100%. So, it, so uh, I don't know what, what they would have to offer necessarily, but right. like I'm hoping <laughs> it's I'm hoping it's something that in favor I get some caffeination or at least a constant cup if I need it, you know. Uh, next one up uh, here for you is there's uh, obviously Chainsaw Man was uh, um, uh, a lot of people notice with every episode there's a different ending. Um, I know it's been a little bit, but do you have like a standout? This is your favorite like uh, ending song, ending sequence uh, from an episode. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, I had a few, like, you know, I, I love them all, and as it was going, like, I was like, oh, this one, oh, this one, oh, this one, but, like, the standouts for me, um, episode three, that has a song from a band called Maximum the Hormone, that is, like, really frantic and weird and violent and intense and powerful and, and like, multiple different kinds of styles in one, um, I loved, uh, episode two was also amazing, that had that super lo-fi, like, it starts with the bass and the female singer, I'm forgetting the name of the band right now, um, and uh, episode eight, which, uh, you know, is the episode when, like, everything initially goes to shit. Right. And, uh, you know, a certain beloved character goes bye-bye. And then uh, it's just, like, that song to me, like, hits so hard. And it was emotional and powerful. But it also, like, thankfully kind of takes you out of the moment because you're like, I need so like stop thinking I need for something a minute, to, like, you know? wind me down. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. uh, Zutomayo is the, the band from the second episode, just to, to shout yeah, them out. Yeah, I think then, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then TK. Uh, yeah, TK uh, for episode eight there. Uh, those are some, Twelve. some great picks. Twelve is a banger, too, because it's uh, Eve who does the opening track to season one of JJK, which is... Right. Oh, I guess that is that that's one that like i love listening to covers of that song that's that's how like uh oh dude it's so good just seeing like hearing different interpretations of it yeah that's a that's a fantastic so good um ryan i've got two more questions for you the first one not really a question but we just need to discuss it uh Mm -hmm. of course the the big uh trailer that dropped uh last week or two weeks ago i forget how long ago this was uh was for the barbie movie uh and then this prompted you to tweet out uh the new hashtag (laughs) barbie Barbie movie just reminded me that i voiced ken in summertime fun a bit ago cheers to fellow ryan uh of course uh uh the the ryan that's playing ken in the uh the the movie there i'm not going to play audio up on here just in case of you know copyright strike uh, stuff here, I just need to know what's the what's the entire process of you getting to voice uh, Ken in a Barbie project there. <laughs> so funny, weird, full circle thing where um, one, you know, that's the beautiful thing about this job is like I'm just down for you know all of the strange things that may happen. Um, never thought I'd end up getting to voice Ken in any kind of capacity. And uh, so the way that it goes is my – this is this funny small world of it all. My my ex-drummer uh, is now working in music for trailers, for movies and TV shows and all kinds of stuff like that. And he reached out to me and was like, hey, we're doing this song for Mattel and for Barbie. And, you know, they, they – like asked for some suggestions for like possible casting for it because it has to be you know people have to have musical talent for this thing and we need people to play barbie and ken and blah 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 so he was like would you be down to audition for this and i was like this is ridiculous of course i would and so i did and they they were like cool and we're like are you really okay so went to the studio and literally laid down i've never rapped before 
or since. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and um, you know, I don't even know if what I did would even count technically still as a rap in, in many ways. But, uh, but Ken needed to rap. And uh, it's this really funny, really, like, amazingly, you know, done music video. And, um, yeah, so, so in the canon world, somewhere officially, I... I got to play Ken and do this ridiculous rap. And it is like the full video is hysterical. It's called Summertime Fun. And you can find it on YouTube. And uh, yeah. I'm just... watching it now and I'm smiling from ear to ear. I haven't stopped smiling. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. <laughs> what an honor. What a special <laughs> piece of history that I get to hold with you for the rest of your life. Like, that's a cool oh, thing. That's man. so fun, man. I'm so glad you're open to just wild and wacky ideas. Like, heck yeah, let's go be Ken. Why not? I'll, I'll put down yeah. a rap track for yeah, you. Yeah, you get to say that you were a Ken. Like, that's, uh, I don't, like, that's a cool thing to be able to say. I so thought it was cool. I thought oh, it was Oh, yeah, 100%. Cool. You know, I just think that was like... the last thing I was expecting. The day of the Barbie trailer is you, who I know that, like, we're going to be sitting down to. And interviewing, and you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna have this Barbie trailer. I have uh, I used to voice Ken in a, in a little Barbie music video." And I was like, "Well, that's a note that I have to save in the back of my head. Here, we we can't not yeah. talk about this now." Mm -hmm. So that's that was amazing. Hey, uh, well, I remember when I saw you tweet that I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, you, you can't get anything past me uh, for sure, oh, no, especially when you're, no, you're going to be have, on a show with me. <laughs> I have no shame with this stuff. I legitimately love that. I love it. Yeah. Um, to wrap it up, Ryan Colt Levy, the world is your oyster right now. It feels like you're 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 kind of you're, you're far too kind. You're you're coming off hot off the 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 heels of Chainsaw Man. You're in a My Hero Academia movie. I can only imagine the the exciting opportunities that you're kind of uh, going in and out of every day in between convention stuff. What is your dream project? I know you're a fan of oh, video man. games. I know you're a fan of, of of stories in any medium. That's what I like learning about you today because obviously we've talked a little bit here and there. Getting to know you today, you and I are very much a, 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 a similar breed in just learning about you because I think the core of who you are as an artist is wanting to be a storyteller. Uh, and so I know that you kind of appreciate the different ways that stories can be told across any different medium. So what is the what is the dream project? What is the next big thing that you're trying to reach out to in the career of Ryan Colt-Levy? You're, you're super kind, man. First off, I want to say it has been so freaking awesome hanging with you guys. You're you're. Really, one, you're a phenomenal host and great interviewer, dude. You're killing it. Absolutely Thank you. killing Thank it. You. Great job. Yeah, great no, job. you did a great job. I know I know. when we first, before we even started, you were like, I'm, I'm new to doing this part. I'm like, you're going to be fine. And you rocked it, dude. I This Thank has you. been Thank such you. a blast hanging with you. And Mike, you know I love you. Ah, you're um, the best, Ryan. Uh, this has been such a joy and like thank you to the to anyone in the kind of funny audience who's who's watching and everything like you guys are 100%. amazing. Thank you for hanging with us like this is so cool to get to be a part of and share all around. Um, you know, for me, the the truth is like, I want to do a little bit of everything. I still feel so new in so many ways in voiceover even, but you know, I, I really want to get into motion capture and video games. I, you know, I want to, I mean, more than dream projects, it's dream people. Like, I want to work with Kojima more than anything. Mm. I want to work with, you know, the Naughty Dog Boys. I want to work with, um, you know, the people at, you know, Santa Monica. 
I, you know, get me, get me in a suit and get me doing, you know, some deep, intense stuff. Um, I still want to get on camera and do film and TV stuff. I mean, to me, it's, I just love, you know, like you said, I just love telling stories and acting and getting to take in, you know, all of these different spaces. And I'm, I'm, you know, so far from, I mean, I still feel like I'm getting started in voiceover in so many ways, but to me, it's like, sky's the limit. I'm down to just play and do anything. Like when I met Sam Raimi, I, you know, all I could think about was like the first time I saw Spider-Man, you know, and sitting in that theater and being like, this movie makes me feel like I can fly. Like I want to be bitten by a radioactive spider so badly. I like, this feels so real to me. Like I need this. And I've always wanted to be a part of, um, you know, I just love being on sets like that. I love practical stuff. I love being in costumes and outfits and like letting that create part of your character and like for me even just putting on a mocap suit to me I can still feel the character that I have to be in like it's all I just love getting to play and getting to work with really amazing people in all these different fields who just care whether it's the other actors or the writers and directors camera operators like everybody at every point you know no one person makes these things special it's it's such a you know herculean effort but like Kojima, Guillermo del Toro, like there's people like I'm coming for you guys. I hope I hope one day, <laughs> one day. I love that. I love that. Look can I be it. selfish, Bear? Can I be selfish somewhere? I want to see him. Because like, where do you, where oh, you, I'm so yeah, Mike, 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 Mike yeah, if you're yeah, you're you're mm-hmm. you're fan you're fan casting. Let's say yeah, yes. you're the the director of a project. Mm-hmm. What's the project that you're bringing Ryan yeah. Colt Levy into? I assume to <laughs> to voice the a lot, uh, lead a role lot of things. Yeah, okay. I, I want him okay. in a lot of things. Of course, okay. so we talk about the oh, video game great. side of thing. I would love to be in a Bethesda RPG with Ryan and just be taken oh, away yeah. on an okay. awesome side that quest. Cool. So I would love to have him immortalized in a game that I can play. On the anime side, I mean, of course, I want to be selfish and say One Piece and go on an epic. Oh, for sure. (laughs) But like Ryan's vibe to me fits so well with Skate the Infinity. Like that's one of my favorite animes. And like, I just love the skater vibe. I love this cool, like, colorful world and all these awesome unique characters. Yeah, that are like, you know, they're in a coffee shop, they're at the school, they're at the sh- skate shop, they're like pro show. wrestlers. And, like, and, and they're, and they're, like yeah, they're, they're very cool emotional persona. people, and yeah. they share their emotions through the art of skateboarding. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's, my, that's, my no, that's yeah. a great, that's a great show. Well, that's very kind of you. If, if they ever season do a season two, two Come whoever's uh, part of that crew uh, over there, definitely, uh, you know, think about Ryan Colt Levy a, a little <laughs> bit in the back of your head there. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us and uh, you know, taking some of your time and your busy schedule, flying in and out of everywhere to hang out with uh, just us two jabronis and just talk oh, about, no, you know, I'm the honored, thing that I'm we're honored. all passionate about here. So it was it was really cool. I should say the whole time I've also had this little boy hanging by. Oh, yeah, there he is. He makes me sad every time I see him. I did not expect that left turn at the end of that first episode, let me tell you. You guys haven't, because you guys haven't read, you've only experienced the anime, so you don't even know. Yeah, Yeah, I'm excited. Because it's like, I feel like it's barely scratched the surface of what it even is yet. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, it's still very abstract in a lot of ways, which I, I'm excited about knowing how beautifully faithful they're treating it. So I'm I'm excited for what comes next. But guys, thank you so, yeah. so, so much. This I'm I'm really grateful. This was awesome. Ryan, where can people find you if they want to keep up with you? 
Um, the easiest places, I mean, while, while it still exists, uh, <laughs> I'm on Twitter, uh, at Ryan Colt Levy, um, on Instagram, just Ryan Colt. Um, those are the easiest two. I mean, you know, I have a TikTok, but I can't say I really use it because I don't know how that thing works <laughs> and I don't like the platform. It's not, that ain't for me. It's too crazy. Yeah. Um, I'd rather no, just I'm, stick to I'm doing the, the work. Very, you know? very similar to you there. I don't even have it downloaded. Also, I apologize for calling you Levy the entire uh, episode. Oh, dude, not, it's okay. Not Levy. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I, I genuinely am not one of those people who gets rubbed the wrong way with who, how people pronounce my name, and I have heard it every which way. Sometimes mm-hmm. people will mm-hmm. ask me before we do a panel, and then they'll still say it the other way, so I'm like, eh, we're fine. Yeah, that. Yeah. I've been there, done that yeah. before. Yeah, because you're favorite... in your own head, you know, like hosting a panel. No, I understand that. Yeah, what, what's your favorite interpretation of your last name? I, no, my favorite one was even better than that. It was it was recently I, I was in Portland and they were awesome. These people were super sweet. I did like a morning like a morning news thing where they like you know a live morning news thing where they went to the con. They're like we're gonna interview the star of Chainsaw Man, you know, and it was wow. like it was awesome because it's such a weird thing to do and like. They're so out of touch, you know, with it because they don't watch anime or anything. But they were really like supportive and wholesome. It wasn't like. It wasn't like they were looking down on it. They were just so out of the loop. So right, they're like an you know, excited parent or uncle. Yeah, or something like that. that's yeah. exactly the best way to put it. So like, <laughs> you know, and it's early in the morning, and we're meeting, and they're just meeting me for the first time. They're getting my name, and like he's like, oh, it's Ryan, Ryan, Levy. okay, blah, blah blah, you know, like I'm weird. And then we get on the thing, and it's live, and he goes, and I'm here with Ryan Scott Levy, and I'm just like, <laughs> this is the best thing ever. <laughs> and like, I don't correct him. I just kind of like look at the camera, like, mm-hmm, and. Forever somewhere, I'm Ryan Scott Levy, which yes. is amazing. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ryan, again so much for joining <laughs> us. Uh, uh, Ryan Scott, it was really great to have you talk to us for the last <laughs> hour. Uh, Mike, again, thank you, uh, my of anime uh, brother you. over here, for uh, joining me for another episode of Kind of Anime. And thank you all so much for joining us for episode two. Remember, this is a, a quarterly show that's uh, going on throughout uh, the year. We'll still have two more episodes uh, going on later in the year. Episode three, we'll see you in a few months where we'll talk about probably more of the current season of Demon Slayer that just premiered. I think by the time this episode goes out, it'll be episode two just came out. We'll probably be talking about season two of Jujutsu Kaisen and maybe we'll be sharing our stories about what made us fall in love with anime. Until next time, it has been our pleasure to serve you.